Do you believe in miracles? Got Fizzle in the house. Fizzle, what what's up, good, Fizzle? man? Fizzle, glad to have you here. Let's go. This the South Harmon Podcast. Glad you here today. Hit that Patreon link if you here to stay. Dynasty best ball, that's my favorite way. 40 chess trade show. Let's make a trade today or check the AMA. You know Adam at the ATM. Mike always in the building. He gonna stay with him. They gon' start every show off with their own trade Fantasy's a big ocean, they made their own wave Make sure you tapping in Tuesdays and Saturdays Tuesday night, Saturday morning, ain't no better way Hit that notification bell when the news break Go subscribe right now, don't get the news late Destination Devi, that's the team Dynasty football, man, that's my favorite thing I remember Biggie said it was all a dream Now people watching on their phone and computer screens Welcome to the team What's good everybody? Welcome back. This time it's Tuesday AMA. It feels a little more normal. Um, we are joined today by Jordan Richard, special guest, one of the OGs one of the guys I started with, and Jay Rich, man, we're coming up on an anniversary of uh, oh, a three-day really? marathon. We're coming up on that three-day marathon, which we ran for the draft, man. 16 days from the draft. Uh, really excited for this coming up. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, running a little bit late, so everybody, it's my fault. I'm sorry. My camera wasn't working, but we're here. I'm excited, man. This will be a fun show. I've done an AMA in forever. Like, Ray and I were talking about uh, doing an AMA tomorrow, but we're doing a Kuiper's mock draft, so it should be a good show. I'm excited for it. Get your questions in, because this could be a long one, man. Last time we did our pod, it felt like we talked for, on the pod, I think an hour and a half, two hours, but we actually talked for like five hours Bruh, that day, so it could be a long was, night. That was a... Uh, that was like an all-nighter. Uh, we yeah. just kind of kicked it, talked a bunch of stuff before we did. A, it was almost a two-hour pod. I think it was funny because you wanted to go to two. I did, wasn't even looking at the time. I think we were at like 154 or something crazy. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it could be a long one. Um, if you do have your questions, want to get them answered, make sure you let let us know what they are. I see we already got a couple Super Chats. If you have some that you really want us to get to, uh, throw a Super Chat for us. We greatly appreciate that. So let's get to the first one here. Uh, Jay Rich, they already had Super Chats before we were even in here. I got to at least start answering these before we get to the thumbnail. Joey Cheese Sticks, uh, shout out RIP and Mellow and all the fellas on the voice chats. Uh, best community in the game. Appreciate that, Joey. Yeah, we got a growing community, man, and it's uh, it's a tight knit one. I love the Savage tier. I saw they were in a they were chatting it up in the um, you know voice chat before I hopped in. I was gonna get in with those guys, but we're on we're on AMA. So uh, appreciate it, man. I appreciate you being here, Joey. Uh, just love, man. No question. I mean, we'll take a suit. We, we get a super all chat. Love. love. We'll, that's just all love, all love man. Uh, so, so Jay Rich, man, I've seen, you know, you guys had uh, a great crew with Cody and with Scott on when you did some mock drafts. You've been doing mock drafts uh, for a long time now over there. Mm-hmm. What, where are you at with Will Levis? Um, I, I feel like mm-hmm. he's really polarizing. And what's interesting is like, I kind of want to get your your takes. I've, I've I've obviously heard it at length, but I kind of want to feel where you're at with uh, Will Levis right now, and kind of talk about him as we get into our rookie drafts here. 
I think for me, it's, it doesn't really come down to the evaluation because the way I see it, you know, he does possess all the tools, but it doesn't mean he's a day one starter. Um, could he start day one based on the draft capital? Absolutely. You know, in Kuiper's mock that came out today, he was fourth overall. If he goes fourth overall to Indy, he's the day one starter. I don't know if that's necessarily what I want for Levis to succeed as a quarterback, but if that's the position he's thrust into, I think we have to then look at it and say, well, he was a top five draft pick. That's a lot of capital to invest in a quarterback. We should probably be willing to take a shot on this player. How do I feel about the talent? That's really the problem, right? The tools are there, but the talent, I can't really say how well that's going to translate to the next level because it's just, he's kind of an incomplete player. I, I, I think when we looked at the most recent mock that we talked about, um, when we were talking about, I forget the mock now, where they had the two quarterbacks at the top, it was Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, and you had Levis falling and A. Rich falling down right. to the mid. Right. And was I that think the one the you bigger, just did with, uh, was it Lance Zerline? That's the one. It was Zerline's mock, his wild mock. Yeah. But yeah, we had we had Levis and A. Rich down in the mid, mid first round. And I think in a lot of previous drafts, you have a player that has a ton of tools, but it's a very incomplete raw prospect. That's really the range these players would fall into. And I think that's a better situation for both. But if they're pegged all the way up at the top, it, the reality is I don't think the sentiment's going to change around Levis. I think people just don't like him. And whether he gets drafted fourth overall or first overall or 15th overall, they're still not going to like him. Yeah. But in rookie drafts, that makes it difficult to value him. And, and you know, we talked about Kenny Pickett at length last year. Where do you take Kenny Pickett? I think you're going to have the same conversations about Will Levis. It's just, again, a different argument because there's more quarterbacks at the top, but he's still right around that six, seven, eight spot that you don't really want to be in because you're kind of at the top of a tier. But if everything hits for Levis, he obviously has the highest upside of any player left in the draft. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's interesting. I agree with a lot of the points you made, by the way. And I think what's interesting for me about Levis, right, is T to me, I think the 107 spot is where there's a tier, um, clear tier gap. And I think Will Levis, and depending on what what guys you want to put in front of him, there's another tier gap. And then there's obviously, for a lot of people, the tier gap at 101 with Bijan. But I think what's interesting about this is, so if you go back to last year, Kenny Pickett's a great example. I'm glad you brought that up. right? So Kenny Pickett was like the only quarterback last year that was first-round pick. And he was pushed up the board because people really only had one chance to get a quarterback in Superflex. I think what's different, though, and interesting that you brought that point up is he obviously was drafted too high, right, um, given where his market is today. He's going in, you know, 103, 104 range, 105, 106 range. Even still, mm -hmm. there was the, last year there were so many receivers, right, that were actually yeah. good prospects. I think that's where the class this year now is different because when I get to 107, like, do you believe in Quentin Johnson? I guess, like, that's not a – that's just a question for everyone to answer when they're on mm -hmm. the clock, right? Do you believe in Quentin Johnson? Do you believe in Jordan Addison? Because the thing is, the community's not necessarily all that certain and high on those guys either. So yeah. that, that I think, is where, for me, I'll probably take him at 107 if he's there, um, just because there's not necessarily that value insulation or safety net with any of the guys I'm going to take after them. Now, there is home run ability with some of those receivers, with the Charbonnet. There's other guys that could go higher, but mm – -hmm. The first-round quarterbacks typically also have a little bit of value insulation unless they're really bad, Josh Rose and Zach Wilson type stuff. So that that's where it's polarizing. Um, so I, it's tough, but I think for me at 107, even if you don't like the guy, scared of his game, the quarterback scarcity, I think I can't let him go past 107. 
Yeah, I mean, Adam, if you want to make a clearer parallel to that last class is you would just kind of say, well, you take out some of those wide receivers and say we only have one wide receiver this year, but instead we have four quarterbacks, right? Right, There was a fringe running back that we liked, and that was Kenneth Walker, right? You guys were very high on Kenneth Walker, and obviously you turned out to be right in that instance, but a lot of people were, well, is he 102? Is he 103? Is he 104, 105 even potentially? And this year is kind of the same thing. You know, you have Jameer Gibbs, who for all the talent he has, he isn't even pegged up into the top six right now. You're lucky if you can push JSN to that top six, and that's pushing Levis down. But to your point, if if the quarterback gets the draft capital and all those things, you can't just let them slide because behind a JSN to me and even a Gibbs potentially, you're looking at a lot of kind of we'll see prospects they may get the draft capital but i don't think they're as secure assets as some of the other guys and especially like you mentioned those highly drafted quarterbacks have that value insulation and you don't really want to pass on that too much but i think part of that as well is not just where do you take them but knowing your league and understanding how they value will levis because there'll be leagues where he slides a lot especially if he slides in the nfl draft yeah 100 percent. and um i gotta stop what we're talking about right now just to acknowledge uh, Jay Rich, man, if you want to hit the air horn, I think I think it's well deserved here. Um, Cody, I don't know if you're what's going on, man. If you're drinking, just showing love, all of the above. But a hundred and ninety nine dollars super chat with no question, just literally just dropping it in there. So, uh, Cody, man, appreciate that. Appreciate the love. He is one of the guys that's been with us from day one, one of the early thirty patrons that we started with in twenty twenty one. So uh, unnecessary, but appreciate the love, Cody. So thank you very much. I. I don't even know what to say, man. I, I guess I'm going to put it like this. kind of speechless, man. Uh, <laughs> appreciate it, though. Uh, Corey has a question for us. Um, can't just brush past Cody like that. Yeah, it's not a question. I I was going to get to it, man. Believe me. I'm not going to let that just sit up there too long. So appreciate all the super chats, man. Um, the Levis thing is interesting. I, I'm kind of curious to see also where he lands and how high he goes in the first round. And also if people start to change their tune depending on the landing spot. I, do you I know think lot, they will, though? Sorry to interrupt you, but do you think no, they will? Is that even possible it's a for great, Levis right now? I think for the most part, right? I think most people are kind of uh, sunk into their heels as far as what they believe, and that's probably to be the case and probably the right thing to do. I think landing spot at quarterback is something that should move it a little bit, but I do think, let's say it's a, a landing spot, which it's like the Raiders or somebody that has good receiving weapons, you might see some people change their tune a little bit. I'm not going to say he's going to yeah. get like, oh, man, he's a – top three pick in dynasty uh super flex drafts but i could see a scenario where he's definitely coming off the board at 107 at the latest and maybe you know pushes ahead of gibbs or um jsn type type discussion if it's a good landing spot and it's a top 10 pick but i think there's also people that are just so out it's going to be a polarizing uh view on him overall i personally think what do you think yeah, I don't really like you said, I think the perfect way to put it is people just dug in whatever your belief is. They they've set their position. Levis is good. Levis is bad. Cody Carpenter has them QB one. Some people think he's QB six, QB seven behind Tanner McKee, like behind DTR. And it's just it is what it is at this point where nothing's going to change between now and the draft. I think what's more interesting, though, is now we have CJ Stroud, not the favorite to go number one, right? And there's a lot of reports that, that Houston is. is all in on Bryce Young. Yeah. And so there's this a potential shakeup in the draft where you have Bryce go number one to Carolina because he's their guy. And then you have Houston 
they don't want CJ Stroud. Maybe they go after Will Levis. Maybe they go after Anthony Richardson or they just pass entirely. And the, the domino effect could just be chaos behind that. So I think that's where things could get really interesting from the draft perspective. But for Levis, I think if he goes high, he, he probably stays where he is. And the more he falls, the more the hate will just overflow and overtake, right? Even if he does get a good landing spot. Like, I think if he went to a place like Tampa Bay, and we've seen him mocked there a couple times, it's late, but at least you have weapons there, right? We've seen him get mocked to Minnesota. At least you have weapons there in a pretty competent offense. So there's a few different situations. I think that you mentioned the Raiders. I don't want to see him on the Raiders. I don't want to see him. I don't either, personally. I don't either, personally. For me, that's a big negative landing spot. So, again, it depends on the spot. And honestly, as long as all these quarterbacks can avoid Tennessee, that is probably the worst (laughs) landing spot of all. Tennessee is a spot I do not want to see any rookie quarterback go, regardless of how I feel about them. Let me give you a couple. Let me just throw a couple out there, right? And just see if it for you and just the way that we think about how the community views things, if it would change. Not necessarily for you or I, but let's just play a couple a couple uh landing spots ideas here indianapolis do you think that like if he ends up being the fourth pick overall and he was let's say quarterback two or three off the board does that do anything for dynasty community uh the dynasty community as a whole if he was qb two or three potentially i still think he's like entrenched as qb4 no matter what i like the indy landing spot though for pretty much anybody for me it's one of the more secure spots, and I think that Steichen will build a great offense around regardless of kind of whatever quarterback ends up there. Like we saw him in, in the mock we're talking about tomorrow, he went fourth overall, but he was the fourth quarterback taken. And there's right. a lot of people talking about Indy potentially just whoever's there. They don't care. They'll take the fourth quarterback, and they're happy with whatever quarterback they get of the four. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. I think I think that just because of – I think the landing spot's solid enough with Pittman and with the, the team, but I think the capital at four might – change a little bit for some some dynasty managers but don't you think it'd still be well you know zach wilson course, was second overall course. well josh There's, rosen was a top five pick like it's yeah I'm, it's a, that, i don't think it'll change much but I'm in with terms you, of value maybe it could be okay i'm with you on the fact that he'll probably for most people still be quarterback four. like i i fully believe that but i think it might push yeah. some people up a little higher i'll give you one that i think could actually um matter some and that would be what if he goes eight to atlanta I mean, do you want him to go eight to Atlanta? I personally How, like, don't. The reason I'll say it, this though is there's there's dynasty managers, and, and I, I saw this. Th- this is a good example with Tua last year, right? Remember how everybody was still really in on Tyreek and really in on Jalen Waddle, but they mm-hmm. all hated Tua for the most part. Yeah, like think about that for a second, right? Now, the reason we hate Tua now is not because of anything other than we're just scared as hell that he can't play football for a long time anymore, right? Health, if he, right. If he was healthy, if he had no concussions and was playing like he did last year, we're not worried anymore. So I think the reason I want to say that is dynasty managers of Drake London that own him and own Kyle Pitts, I think they're they're begging for a QB. And it's like all of a sudden, if, if it's Will Levis, maybe there's more, you know, they drafted a guy in the top eight. This guy has a cannon. It's going to help those guys. And there might be more yeah. buzz around a name like Will Levis is the reason I bring it up. Yeah, potentially. I think the problem for with that situation is it's not much different than Tennessee, right? We don't want them to go to Tennessee because they have bad weapons and they run the ball a lot, but Atlanta right. still runs the ball a lot anyways. And I don't know if Arthur Smith is going to magically change his offense because he gets Will Levis. No, he might. But, you know, I think, you, I think you're looking at kind of a Tannehill type of ceiling because Tannehill was great in play action. And he did throw a, 
actually pretty well, but they had to keep the volume down because when the volume went up, Tannehill's mechanics went away, his accuracy started to drop, and all of a sudden he was a bad quarterback. Yep. And that could be great for Levis, but for fantasy purposes, obviously that caps his value to some degree. It would be, I think it'd be great for London and be great for Pitts because they would have a better quarterback. But if the volume doesn't go up, I still think Atlanta isn't the best situation for a rookie. I, I agree, though. I agree, especially because of the Arthur Smith offense and how much they run the football. I do think, um, you know, Ryan Tannehill a lot of times is thought of in the worst light recently because of recency bias. And you got to remember, you know, going into 2022 after the 2021 season, like you said, it was on lower volume. But when he played better, he was in the, you know, fourth, fifth round, believe it or not, in startups as hard as that is to believe. Um, so I, I think also uh, it would be. I don't think there's a scenario out there. Let, let's just put this on the table and move into questions. I don't think there's a scenario out there where it's like, oh my gosh, Will Levis is going to go into the top three or four discussion in Dynasty Superflex drafts, right? No, no, not, no. It's but not, could, ha- but doesn't could he happen. Be, but could he be firmly, my question for you is, could he be firmly entrenched at five and what would that landing spot look like for Levis? For him, firmly entrenched in five, I would say probably not just because there's so much hate for him but I think ADP could be reflective of like five and six yes and I think for that scenario it would have to be him getting high enough draft capital first and foremost right like I think he's got to be locked into the top 10 personally for that to happen and I think it's and I think personally it's got to be you know whether they like the situation or not just the landing spot and the the receiving weapons that are offered at Indianapolis Vegas and Atlanta. Those are the ones for me personally I could see it with. Not saying it's right or wrong, just the ones that I could say, all right, I think this could make sense for the way people shift it. Just ahead, because at that point, you just got to go ahead of Gibbs, who's 199 pounds running back. We don't know what his landing spot is. Does he go day yep. two still? Right. And then, oh, for sure. JSN is safely the wide receiver one of this class. But, yeah. but you know, the quarterback thing could push him ahead of JSN. So I, I, I think those are the spots, and that's the, the reality of the situation. Yeah, and I think that's the hard part for a lot of people is like it it really seems as though JSN is a top 20 pick, like locked in, 100%. be really surprised if he drops below there. Now, there is a few good receiver spots kind of in the 20 to 23 range. So again, a difference of a couple picks there, but it does seem like JSN is locked in top t- top 20. And then, you know, there's a lot of people who mock him to Houston, right? So if he did go to Houston, we saw Bryce Young go one, CJ Stroud go two, and then you have JSN to Houston at 12. All of a sudden, that's going to look really good. And regardless of where Levis goes, he still may not be ahead of him. But I think you're right. You know, if if a team doesn't trade up to three to get him ahead of Indy, I don't really know how he'd ever pass anybody, like especially JSN. I think that people are just so in on JSN and so out on Levis. Yep. I'd be really surprised if ADP reflected reflected anything differently. And, you know, we talked with Debro about that. And I was kind of surprised he took JSN that high. But at the same time, he was kind of ahead of the sentiment because in a week, all of a sudden, it seems like everyone would take JSN over Will Levis at this point. Yeah, and I I think um, the reality is like we we all acknowledge if if Will Levis with his cannon ended up getting to like, you know, one of these quarterbacks that was slept on, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, like if that happens, you have to – we have to acknowledge that the quarterback position, if he hits, he hits more than JSN does. But everybody knows Mm -hmm. the value – insulation in the safety of JSN is a mile safer than what Will Levis is. And that's why people ultimately are leaning that way too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's what's scary about Levis is that we love him, but he just doesn't have the upside of Anthony Richardson from the rushing perspective. If he did, I mean, he would obviously be a freak as well, but he doesn't. So it's like, well, he is an athlete, but he's not a rich and, and a rich is like 
well, he's got to be up there. He could be QB1, and I, and I hear all that. Um, but it, it may come down to, unfortunately for us, it's Stroud and it's Young. And maybe they're not the best QBs, but they're at least startable in some of your Superflex leagues. And then you're still kind of waiting to see on Levis and A-Ridge. But I hope they all get opportunities because I think they all have great talent. It's just what do they be for fantasy? And that, I think, is the ultimate question, Adam, is like we're looking at a two really raw high upside prospects and then two that maybe have high upside, but maybe have to be Joe Burrow to be really, really good for fantasy. Yeah, you know, I, that that is basically how the community views it right now, and I, I think that's correct. I, I would say the only thing I would push back on, not to you, to the community, is like, and I've said this on, on a few, I don't know if you caught any of these, but like, it, it feels like C.J. Stroud in particular. Now, when you talk about Bryce Young, obviously, if his size wasn't what it was, I don't think anyone's scared at all. Like, if he's six foot one even and 210 pounds, we're having a totally different conversation about Bryce Young. Yeah. But it's his size, right? But with C.J. Stroud, he, he has what we believe is the, one of the best accuracy, if not the most accurate arm in the class, right? Most accurate. And here's the thing. When, when, when he plays against Georgia, which wrongly people will say that that defense is as good as an NFL defense, but the best defense in the country by, by landslide, like Marvin Harrison Jr. is not out there in the second half. Like, what yeah. more did you want to see out of this guy? And especially, I think the big thing people miss is with his legs, right? Because yeah. he's not a rich, but I think what he showed with his legs. And my only thing is, why are we trying to make C.J. Stroud basic? Is I guess my kind of question to people as a rhetorical question. Like, why? Why is he basic? Why are we trying to make him a pumpkin spice latte? This like basic girl that just you know he's he's gonna have just a safe floor. He could be a nice you know back end quarterback one, high end quarterback two if everything hits right, and that's it. Like I. I think there's more for him than that, personally, if he hits. Yeah, I'm with you. I've always thought, you know, that Stroud is one of the few quarterbacks in this class that has that burrow ceiling. You know, like when he did Elite 11, he broke the Elite 11 record for accuracy at that right. event. Like he right. literally broke the record. He didn't miss a single throw. And at the combine, same thing, on time, on target, every single time. And you're like, man, it, it's just in a league that is so predicated on speed and timing and accuracy. It just looks like CJ Stroud has every skill set available to him to be successful in the NFL. Now, of course, there's a big learning curve there. You're not going to be behind that Ohio State offensive line. That's, you know, one of the True. best in the country every single year. We saw Justin True. Fields struggle coming from that offensive line in that system, right? So again, I you know, a lot of scouts say that Stroud's best game was that Georgia game. To do that against that defense, to look that great, to show the mobility in the pocket, to throw on the run, um, was everything he needed to show that he didn't get to show every game because, well, the pressure's just not there for him. And I think, you know, that did him a lot of favors and it brought him closer to Bryce Young. Where he ultimately falls compared to Bryce is difficult because Bryce has to be an outlier to be successful. We've never Correct. seen a quarterback his size be really, really good for fantasy. They've been pretty good. They've had their moments, but not, you know, at the top echelon. Everybody who's at the top, they're passers first, right? And they're great passers and they're taller and they can see over the defenses and they have rocket arms. And I don't think anybody in this class outside of, you know, A. Rich and Levis have that. And I think that's the crazy polarizing part is like you're drafting C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young at like QB what? 11 and 12 in startup drafts. And yeah. it's like, where are these guys going to go? Unless again, they are Joe Burrow and they have a great team and they're throwing for a ton of yards and touchdowns because that's what it's going to take to really crack into that top seven and eight. I, I, I agree. Um, all right. So Jerry, let, let's get into some questions just because I, I mean, we're probably going to end up making it a long one, but uh, we could go all night 
not even addressing questions. So let, let's try to get into some. So here we go. Mighty Booch says, Kyler in the 205 for Ramondre in the 107. Superflex PPR start 10. I also have the 101 via a trade. Uh, Jay Rich, what do you think about this first of all? So it's a 10-team um, Superflex PPR league. Kyler in the 205 or Ramondre in the 107? I think I'd want Kyler here. It seems like a pretty steep drop-off. Um, and I know the Ramondre is you know, pegged to be a RB1 this year. But if you're in a Superflex league, I think even with the potential downside of Kyler not playing all year, I think I still want to take him in this instance. Because you know, when we talked about the 107, that's a really weird pivot point in the draft and not a spot you really want to be in. Because by the time the draft rolls around, that could not look so great for you. So I'd be happy to take Kyler. It's not great if you want to compete, but I mean, you also have the 101. It does say via trade, so you clearly aren't the worst team in the league. But right. if you can if you can afford to absorb Kyler and still compete or contend or kind of maintain your direction, I that's the side I want in terms of value. Adam, how do you feel about that trade? Because it is tough to kind of look at it in that lens. Yeah, I think I, I'm with you. I want the Kyler side. And, and, and 10 team, I think this is the big thing, right? In 10 team, understand that because there's less teams, everybody's teams has to are they going to be better by default? There's less teams to absorb all the player pool. In in Superflex, that does take the scarcity of quarterback down, but what it doesn't do is take mm-hmm. away the necessary you need to have elite ones. And I think Kyler is not viewed as elite anymore for a lot of people, but he's still for me entrenched as a top 12 dynasty quarterback. And the Absolutely. thing is we we've talked about this with 107 like it's a good question to start the show off, honestly. We just talked about how the 107 is, what do you get? I mean, does someone take Levis? If not, you're going to be left with Levis. And I honestly, in a 10-team league, probably would rather not take Levis at 107. So if I look at it from that lens, Kyler easily smashes 107. And then when you think about 10-team, Jay Rich, I think this is where Ramondre, as much as people can like him, we're talking about 203 now in a 10-team league versus a 12-team, right? In a 12-team yeah, league, that's a 203. It's so it's a it's a early second where I can get like a Kendra Miller type. I'd rather yeah. take my shot on that drop-off, whether you think it is one or not, with Ramondre and that running back versus Kyler in the 107. So I'll take Kyler pretty easily here when I break this one down. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, we we talked about it on the trade show for us this week. Like, we got a couple Kyler trades, and it's it just comes down to is what is your direction, and can you absorb it from a roster construction standpoint? Because I think you still want Kyler. I think he still should be viewed as a top 10 quarterback. Yes. But, again, he may not play all year, and you can't just trade for a guy who's not going to play all season. doesn't really work out sometimes. So you have to have the right roster. But uh, I think on a, just a value perspective, you're making the right move. That That's... It's a good point. I think that's what's scary for people about Kyler is already the size. They're not believing in him long term. And then the fact that he may not start the year, may not play well all year because he may not rush well. I think that's a lot of what's baked into Kyler's hate right now. Um, I do yeah. think it's too much hate, but I, I do think that that's the reality. Uh, <laughs> Amy says, was that a misplaced decimal point? Uh, Amy, I, I checked. It is not. Uh, Cody is out here. And I, I just put it under under my name because I think he was flexing. So I'll let him flex all show, Damn. man. You throw the $200 super chat in there. We will put it up all show just to let you know, man. Let's go, you know. Cody, appreciate you. Hope, uh, hope Cody's drinking and, and watching the stream because we're going to leave this up as long as the show will go. All right. Hey, guys, would you pay the 108 and a 24 first for JT? interesting question i was uh you know doing some social media surfing saw somebody that you know i don't actually have rapport with that does dynasty content that uh was talking about a trade almost just like this jay rich i'm curious your thoughts i i have some um 
I think that people, though, will be kind of split on this. I, I'm curious what you think. Never, ever. Okay, good. Never, okay, ever, good. ever, 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 okay. ever, 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 ever. Ever no. again. Ever again. Never. I, I just, I can't. Not for running backs, man. Like, if, if you, and again, I think to give you, like, real advice, you could probably get RB3 there, if not RB4 at 108. And I think that running back will be plenty good enough to where you don't have to have JT and you maintain that 24 first and you have much more flexibility in no worlds, even in a, a, the back of the first, I don't necessarily want to be trading two first for Jonathan Taylor. I, great player, but just not a move that I think you can make and, and maintain a good uh, roster construction. And, and especially from a value perspective, it's just tough, man. That guy's only going down right now. Yeah, I think, you know, um, and, and I will say we are we are talking about this, uh, Gerard, as a super flex trade. So if it's one quarterback, let us know that. Um, there, if it was one quarterback, just for a second, which I don't, I don't, I'm not viewing it this way, and I'm with you. We, uh, I know you're talking super flex. And one quarterback, it would probably change the answer a little for me, just because okay. when you take the quarterback situation out of the super flex rookie drafts, right? It running back and receiver is really all you're really looking for. Obviously, some tight ends, but so it would be a little more appetizing. I still maybe not, won't even do it there. I think in in that mm. scenario, one quarterback, I'd probably do it. Um, but I'll, I'll say in Superflex, I'm not doing this at all. And I will say, like, one oh, if I was paying 108 for JT, I'm perfectly fine with that because you're not oh, yeah. gonna you're not gonna get the running back caliber of jo- Jonathan Taylor as much as I like Zach Charbonnet or anything else in this class, which is a really deep running back class. You don't get that there. I'm not though in a market which doesn't dictate running backs outside of Bijan Robinson going for elite prices. I'm not gonna consolidate two elite valued rookie picks for a running back now does that mean that Jonathan Taylor can't go out and have a really great season next year no it doesn't have anything to do with what Jonathan Taylor does next season I do believe he's talented enough to smash next year I'm just not paying in April two first for him even if it is the 108 and I'll tell you the truth I'm probably not going to pay two first for running backs that aren't you know Bijan Robinson period uh and even and, and, then, and, 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 and even then, right? I mean, like, if you were gonna do it, it would ha- for me. If I was going to do it, I, I, I'm with you. Like, I'd probably even be hesitant. But if I was gonna do it, it would be for a Bijan Robinson. And I'll tell you the and truth. That's it. And, and the reason I think that, see, I think what makes 101 so tough, Jay Rich, and everybody listening, everybody says, "No, nah, you should trade Bijan for this haul and 101 for this haul." Now, what I have seen on our, our trade shows is 102 getting traded like it's going out of style everybody's trying to leverage 102 top of the tier right yeah but what i haven't seen honestly is like many of these hey somebody got three liquid firsts for b john robinson at 101 i haven't seen that right and i think that's indicative of like people really aren't they want b john but no one's paying quarterback prices really from what i've seen to go get b john outside of rare circumstances so i think that's why like for this which is jt who's much older and coming out of his rookie contract very soon. I'm not, I'm not into it. Yeah. I mean, Bijan's number nine in KTC super flex rankings right Right. now. So he's as high as it gets, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can't get that's essentially quarterback prices, right? Like you, he's higher than Brees Hall. He's higher than JT. He's higher than Kenneth Walker. But yeah, it's, I love JT, but give me, you know, go see what Christian McCaffrey costs. Go see what Saquon Barkley costs. Go see what, you know, Austin Eckler costs, what Nick Chubb costs. Like, it's just, 
if you really want to trade that 108 for a more secure asset at running back, which is kind of what it seems like you're trying to do, we've talked about, yeah. and, and you guys have talked about the 108, 107, you don't really you don't really want those spots. Maybe you want a running back, but you don't want to wait till the draft. You'd be like, just give me an older guy that I know is going to produce, be pretty steady for me. Um, like Again, I, I look at Jonathan Taylor much more like Christian McCaffrey than I think a lot of people do. And yeah. I think a lot of people view them very differently. But if I'm going to ride a player into the dirt, that player is going to be Christian McCaffrey. Absolutely, 100 times out of 100. Yeah, I think uh, good, good points you made all around there. I think we're in full agreement on this one. Um, it's just, unless it's one quarterback, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really into paying and consolidating um, for the running back position. Uh, what is good, people? Uh, appreciate it, Dr. P. Harris. Dodger in the building. Let's see what we got here. Sure, we got a bunch of questions. All right, so here we got Koopa Troop. By the way, we have a Koopa Troop. Koopa Troopas, I think, in here. We have a, an imposter, not really an imposter. Uh, he's a Patreon member, Koopa Troop. Um, Scott's pod was interesting this week. Might have to fade a decent amount of these running backs. Tank feels like the easiest fade. Um, I'm kind of curious, like uh, Jay Rich too. Your 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 thoughts on this class and when you start getting into the second round. Um, your your thoughts on like Tank Bigsby, some of the running backs when when you get to this range? Uh, just give me whatever one gets drafted the highest. Honestly, like unless they are you know a heavy receiving profile or there's a great landing spot, I'm probably going to be looking at draft capital and just going down the list. Right, like if there's a bunch in the fifth round, maybe I'll have some thoughts and opinions based off some tape grades, some things I've heard, read, talk to them, whatever the case may be. But I'll be leaning very heavily on draft capital, and I think that's where people try to overproject in the draft. It's like, we really only have an idea about the first six or seven guys. After yes, that, yes. it's let's see what the actual draft capital is because Jonathan Mingo was like a fifth round pick two weeks ago. And now all of a sudden he's going in second rounds of mocks. He's going in early thirds of mocks. So it's very difficult to say kind of how I feel about it because every time we do a mock based off of a mock draft, it gets uglier and uglier almost every single time. So it's yeah. just, yeah. we'll see what shakes out. But I think, you know, you may want those mid-seconds right now, but when the draft actually comes around, you may not be feeling so great about some of those picks. So it's it's tough. It's tough. I think, you know, you're probably looking at about 15 to 16 pretty good secure assets. And then after that, it gets a little gross because, you know, that drop-off after the first round is kind of tough. And then once you get to like 203, there's usually starts to get some ugly landing spots and some poor draft capital for some players really like, but yeah, like Scott mentioned on his pod tank is his profile does not look good. It really doesn't um, from an analytical yeah. perspective to some degree. Yeah. I think uh, like I, I still am in, interested in, in Bigsby because of where his cost is. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously what we thought of him in his freshman season and where he is now are very different things. Right. And I think that's, you know, a disconnect uh, Jay, that's hard for the community to get their heads wrapped around, especially people that play a lot of Debbie leagues and are very into, you know, getting liquid and getting picks. It's like, they've been ready for tank Bigsby for years. And it's like that oh, yeah. name, how do, how do I get detached? And this is something we talk about all the time in trading, detach yourself from the names, like including the players that are in the NFL that are playing well. Like think about it as a process. This is tough. Like, uh, Kayshawn booty. Right. And, Tank Bigsby. These are guys that it's like, how do we, I mean, Booty, at least, you know, he went from Boutte to Booty, which told you all you needed to know, right? Like, yep. get off of him, man. Dude's Booty. <laughs> but, uh, like, it's hard for, I think, managers that are interested in these big names and think very highly of them to start, 
at least getting more uh, neutral and realizing they're not the name that you thought they might have been, you know, when they were 19 years old. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the hardest part with Devi is like we we play in some Devi leagues and, you know, Ray's always told us it's like the biggest dice rule in the world. And especially when you talk about running backs, you know, we have running backs like you mentioned, Tank Bigsby. This guy was B. John Robinson or Tank Bigsby. And now we're like, who? Like we were talking about this guy as a potential next up huge running back going to be the next big thing. And it's just nah, like he's not that. And neither is Keishon Boutte. And, you know, these guys go up and down and the value is always changing. And I think it's why you have to value your NFL assets so closely because so much can change at the course of a college career. Oh, I think you're on mute. I am I am on mute. What am I doing? Thank you, Jay Rich. Damn, uh, Adam, this is your show. I know. Usually I'm, a, I'm the one who's on mute. You know, I had to cough and I was I was listening no, and I'm good. like out here slipping. Um luck, <laughs> luckily Cody, you know, has a super chat really dope under me, so I, I still looked okay while you couldn't hear oh, me. Oh, you good. <laughs> um what I was gonna say was uh actually I totally forgot now. See, this is this is this is uh what, what happens when you mute yourself and you don't know what the hell you're gonna say. Garrett says parts of all three dynasty shows are on air right now. South Harmon trades in five and DD killing me, can't choose just Let's one. Go. Listen, man. Uh the community that the crazy part is Garrett, what you're talking about, these are all really extensions of DD. So if you think about this, if you're having a hard time choosing, this is all the Destination Debbie umbrella. This whole team is killing it. So um if you're not here and you're and you're in one of their streams, I will never be upset at you because Ray, Jay, Scott, uh, Shane, all, all the people in these places are, are are really good minds. So listen, man, wherever you feel comfortable, be there. You know, uh, we will be here if you want to watch I'll us on here. replay. Yeah, be here. But if not, make sure you at least watch us on replay. If we can't get Pop the, us a like, right? Yeah, Subscribe. Do something. Help us out. Yeah. Like uh, like Fizzle said, man, we always start off with one of our own. So let's get into some other questions here. Uh, yeah, people are still like in marvel of uh, of what Cody did, and I mean, crazy. Listen, I, I've, I, let me ask you, man, because uh, I know that we we are, you know, we're we're the third leg, uh, as Garrett just told us. I I don't think I've ever seen a super chat that big. Have you, bro? We we've never got a two hundred dollars super chat. <laughs> At least I don't think so. I Unless remember. I'm just forgetting. I remember like, in the we got draft, a big ones, but yeah. I don't think a two hundred. I remember in the draft stream last year, we got like. And a hundred, maybe, and a couple fifty, maybe a one fifty, yeah, maybe a one fifty. I don't I, think we ever got a two hundred though. Wild man, wild. wild, wild one. Um, Cody is a wild one too. If you I'm have to come on every week, <laughs> shit, man. Uh, Jay Rich is out here making making it rain just by his presence. Um, yeah, a lot of Will Levis talk. Let's let's get at least into some other questions though. I mean, we could talk Levis all day. Uh, Twelve team PPR Superflex start ten lineup. Starting three receivers. Quarterbacks are Herbert, Dimes, Tannehill. Running backs are Eckler, Cook, uh, and Khalil Herbert. Wide receivers, A.J. Brown, Higgins, Pittman, and Watson. Uh, Andrews is his tight end. So he's going to give away Watson, which is going to be his receiver, Christian Watson. 112-212. Get Amon Ross St. Brown, 311 and 411. I'm the defending champ. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Jay Rich. So curious your thoughts here because Amon Ra for people has been a slow play. Like most people didn't want to come around on him. This time last year, people were hating them some Amon Ra St. Brown, man, a lot of places, right? Because they had just taken J Mo. Uh, yep. you know, the Hawk was still there. Swift was this great receiving weapon. All of a sudden, Amon Ra for a lot of people is like top seven, definitely top ten. Um seven right now. Yeah, so like Waddle. 
I, I would I, we can get into that a little later. What is your thought on this trade, man? What is your thought on this trade? Because this is this is a big one because it's a it is a first round late pick. It is Christian Watson. So and a lot of people value him as at least a first. Yeah. Then you add in a second round pick, and you're basically getting Amonara St. Brown and you know Dart throws in the third and late late third and late fourth round, which in the third round you can get some tight end darts, but kind of curious, man. Like this is consolidation. What's your thoughts? I don't hate it. I think it's a pretty interesting trade from the standpoint of like you really know what you're getting with Amara St. Brown at this point. So that part is great. Right. But you also are missing on the upside of what Christian Watson could be. I don't know what to do with Christian Watson because he's already pretty highly valued. Like he's wide receiver 19 on KTC's dynasty rankings right now. He's ahead of Debo Samuel behind Don- Devontae Adams. Give me Devontae Adams over Christian Watson all day, but that's just because I want the points on my roster. Of course. But if he hits... I mean, Adam, we both know if he hits, he's going to hit big because he hit big in this season and his value went absolutely nuclear. So if he does anything this year, in his sure. second year with Jordan Love, I think, you know, you may see another similar spike and he could be a guy who hops in the top 15 or so. And my beef with Albemarle St. Brown isn't that he's a bad player. It's that I think he's really at that value ceiling. He is behind Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle. The only player he's passing on that list is Jalen Waddle. I promise you that. It, I mean, now, again, in season, things yep. fluctuate. Values kind of go up and down and crazy. Yeah, for but, some people passing, for some people like myself, passed. But I'm with you, though, as far as he's not going north of that. Uh, I'm with you. But I think he can maintain a really strong value, like a top <clears throat> 10 value. And I think that's why I kind of like it. You have to right. you know, trade away that first, which it will be a valuable asset. But that 212, I mean, that's not so bad. We can absorb that. We can right. absorb that. You have great receivers. You're kind of consolidating a bit. That way you don't have to start Pittman all the time, which I think is a pretty big edge for you. You're starting AJ Brown, Higgins, and then obviously Amara, and you don't have to worry about Pittman or Watson week to week. I think it makes your team really strong, and I kind of like the trade overall. How do yeah. you feel about it, though? You, you Would know, you make that trade? Th- this one's interesting. Start 10 lineup, man. And, and I think one of the biggest things that I've learned this year I've kind of known, but I've really now, Jay Rich, and playing in a lot of leagues, man, uh, 20 plus leagues, and seeing how different the markets move, seeing how different the points are scored, seeing how Barry yeah. and Koopa and all these guys have really shown in warp what I saw happening as far as points and who was winning. It's like, man, this league now, more so than ever before, like I do want to consolidate if it makes sense and I can afford it, and the depth I have is still allowing me to do so. I will say this, um, it, there's not like, I don't even know what, what cook that is, whether it's James or Dalvin, but, but yeah. I, I, one thing too, I don't necessarily look at a running back room today and be like, nah, this team can't go. Like if you're going to have a deficient room in a start 10 lineup, it, it'd be running back. If I had to have one, it's not the most secure anywhere, truthfully, as far as depth. Um, but he does have a top five quarterback for me still in Jalen, uh, not Jalen hurts, uh, Justin Herbert. I think that he has yeah. four really good receivers, and he still continues to maintain four really good receivers. He does have a warp difference maker in Andrews, assuming that you know with a quarterback, whatever it is next year, he's not the back-end version of himself. I'm willing to consolidate here. Uh, typically, this is against my process for a receiver because it is a lot, though, right? Like Watson, I will say this. Watson, for me, is a sell. I, I, really? I'm not a, I'll say this. I, Jordan Love, for me, is not a guy I believe in, personally. Okay. So right? that's why, though. It's not the Watson talent. It's more so the Correct. Well, it, it's 
the quarterback attached to the guy that, as you mentioned, uh, Jay, is already getting to the point of like, now you talked about Amon Ra not being able to go much further. Like realistically, could Watson go higher? Sure. But how much? Like if we're being honest about this. Uh, I think he could go pretty high. I think that's that's the scary part about this range, right? Is in my opinion, he's kind of in a range. What receiver was he at right now? You said was it eighteen? Nineteen. 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 So that's high, bro. That's really high. It, it feels high, but Drake London's up at wide receiver twelve, and I think if Christian Watson hits, he's higher than Drake London. Okay, now right? now, here's, now here this is a great point. I'm gonna rise a good case in point for this, right? This is something that I've been talking a lot about lately, so it's a good way to talk about this here. The difference in Drake London and Christian Watson and, and uh, Jahan Dotson, for example, all the same thing. Community sediment on Drake London, he did have some really good metrics, right? Target share. There's some reasons to like Drake London. But the reality is the draft capital and the fact that the community loves him affords him a value, a value insulation similar to like what JSN is probably going to get because the community loves him. Watson doesn't have that baseline, right? The thing is, so if Watson... Wow. Well, if Watson, I don't know. no, no, Watson can go higher. Like, for example, mm-hmm. Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Mm-hmm. Amon Ross St. Brown was valued much lower than Watson is currently last year. But if he smashes, you can't deny him at a certain point, right? Yeah. But the difference is if they fall, they can free fall because no one really believes in Watson. That is the big difference of the two. And that's why for me, he's a sell is can he go higher? Could he end up being a difference maker? Yes. Am I willing to bet on that? No. Am I am I very weary of if him not playing well with Jordan Love crushes his value? That I am. Yeah, so I think you make some good points. In my opinion, I wouldn't quite put him in what I would consider the Brandon Ayuk zone, right? So Brandon Ayuk is only a couple spots behind him. Brandon Ayuk is a guy who probably could hit a top 15 ceiling, but could also be at wide receiver 40. And part of that is because of the team he plays on, right? He's got Christian McCaffrey. He's got Debo Samuel. He's got George Kittle. All these guys can score a ton of points but they can only do it so often. But you have Christian Watson, and so I would push back on you a little bit saying that I, you don't think that he has that value installation because, right. in my opinion, he didn't do a whole lot last season. He scored a ton of touchdowns, and we know that touchdowns are very fluky. Sure. Right? And so well, that, that's, why, the- that's why I think the installation is not there is because if people start looking at that and him not having a good year, that's why I agree with the point you're making. But, yeah. So, yeah, so for me, I think he has value installation from a fanfare perspective but I don't know how much. I think that's what makes him tough to value. One of my favorite examples of this whole paradox like you've talked about, and I've talked about this with a lot of people, is DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is a player that, for whatever reason, his value is just a straight line. It doesn't matter whether he's good or, I mean, if he's good, he goes up a little bit. But if he's bad, if he's not performing well, people still love him and they won't just sell him for whatever because they know the upside he possesses, right? And I kind of, I don't want to say I view Christian Watson in the same sense, but if he hits, I think he could be a guy who's viewed in a similar light. But again, I think, you know, you talk about Drake London, the community loves him, but the production isn't there. I think the problem with Christian Watson is the production could be there. And I think the community does like him enough to where he could be pushed up pretty high. But yeah, it's it will be tough to see him break through to DK Metcalf, T. Higgins, Devonta Smith, Chris Olave, Amro St. Brown. But I think just below that slot, it's pretty wide open. You have old great receivers, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, and then somehow Jamison Williams at wide receiver 17. That's not going to hold. But I think Christian Watson, because he's on a team with not a lot of options, potential high target volume for him if he is the number one in the, on that offense, 
that's a pretty good situation. It just depends ultimately, like you said, how does Jordan Love play? But I think there is a lot of reason to like Watson. It's just will it ultimately come to fruition for him is the biggest question. And that's very difficult to predict right now for me. Yeah, I think uh, with Watson especially, right, outside of the weeks he scored touchdowns, he has not finished as a wide receiver one on the, on the week. So not not saying he's not a home run threat and doesn't have deep ball potential and isn't very fast because he does sure. have the ability to hit a home run, but it's not sticky for me. And I think the thing, he, to me, has to prove a lot more. Like DK, I think the reality for DK is everybody loves him until all of a sudden like he performed really poorly in the agility drills in the combine, and then he destroyed yeah. that. He destroyed that narrative that was out there. He's also, you know – He's, he's actually one of the outliers when we look at body styles, right? He is a yeah. true, massive human freak. being, freak wide receiver. And if you look at all the all the top-end guys, outside of A.J. Brown, they're not that. They're all these shifty, very electric mm-hmm. wide receivers nowadays. Um, I, I will say Watson, for me, is a sell. I, I do I, – I live in a world, and I, I have to all the time after last year, missing so much. We got some stuff right, but we missed a ton ceiling and floor for me and when I look at floor and I look at ceiling I'm much more worried about what the floor is than I am him actually hitting what could be a ceiling which honestly let's be keep it real like a guy with that home run threat has a big ceiling so for me I'm willing to consolidate because it's Watson in a late first in a class that yeah absolutely um, I'm not not, not tripping about the spot right now. <laughs> yeah so yeah. I will do this trade getting back a little bit on on the rails um but man it, it's Watson, for me, I think is the reason why. If you put a different receiver that I liked a little more as the piece, plus 112, I may want to stay a little more. But what Amon Ross St. Brown, for me, is a guy I think, Jay Rich, you make good points about him not being able to go up in dynasty value. But I think from production, I do think there's a scenario where he's, he is worth the wide receiver 5, 6, 7 in dynasty from a production and a guy that's young. So that, that's why I'll take that side. Yeah, I mean, Amon Ra is tough. Um, Ray and I actually had this discussion on our trade show very recently about Amon Ra and Chris Godwin because Ray was like, well, you know, I love Amon Ra, but if you're giving me, you know, a first and I'm ta- taking on Chris Godwin, like both had 140 targets last year, both averaged, I think, I think Amon Ra was at 16.9 points per game and Chris Godwin was at like 15.5 points per game. So again, it's like yep. you're... It seems gross, and you're getting a player that's a little bit older, but, I mean, both had, like, same amount of catches, same amount of targets. It's just different situations. But, uh, yeah, it's, I think your point about Watson is definitely valid. Like, in that trade scenario, absolutely. I'm curious what happens with Amara this year. I still think it's his team, like, full go. Um, I'm not really sure that's going to change. I'm more so worried about how does Jamison Williams fit into this offense and what does his target share look like. Uh, very secure about Amara. It's just, you know, how does he... It's interesting because he's the alpha on a team and then behind him are a bunch of number twos and Devonta Smith and T Higgins and like all these guys. So it's just, he's a weird player to value because he doesn't, he doesn't fit the archetype of an alpha where you're like, yeah, I am one of my roster. He can score double digit touchdowns. He can have 1500 yards. He kind of just does it with little cuts every game and a ton of volume. And you're just praying that volume doesn't go away somehow. And I don't think it will. So he'll should be pretty good next year and beyond. Yeah, if we don't get to it later tonight, we may have to get to it on a separate episode or uh, sometime down the road when uh, Jay Rich and I are going to be on camera for a long time coming up on the draft. So I'm not worried about uh, camera time with yes, my sir. guy here. But uh, Waddle, right? It's interesting because Waddle's ahead of Amon Ra, and, and you talk about him going past him. Waddle, I think, has been proven to be the beta relative to his alpha, his offense with you know Tyreek Hill. 
he's the only one there that I think, you know, isn't the clear alpha. But what's interesting about Aminara St. Brown is people that are so very high on JMO, man. And I watched, you know, in our last trade show, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Everybody here watching, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Mike is getting grilled in the comments. He, he's, he's uh, you know, in a different country getting slaughtered for his trade on JMO. And uh, oh, really? I, I, I replied to a few people like it's about liquidity and all this stuff. And eventually I'm like, you know what? I said it all on the show. They all know what they think. They care about JMO and they want JMO a lot. So um, just understanding how much people are very high on JMO is interesting for the value of, of Amon Ra. To me, I'm not worried and I'll tell you why. Hawk's out of town. Uh, Swift yep. is somebody that's, you know, could still get some Never really good receiving war work but he's not like okay this guy's gonna eat into the target share truthfully of either one of these guys i think there's a scenario they both could thrive if i'm being honest so like i don't really worry about it that way as far as how dynasty gamers view it be interesting to see i think it's going to ultimately matter is amon ra difference maker at the position or not in production i think will ultimately be the tale of how his value goes truthfully and i think that's just what he's going to have to live with until I don't know what it's going to take for him to be pro- proved to be the alpha. I don't like it's if we're not there yet, I don't know what you need to see. Uh, we got a super chat here, Marlon. When is the best time to, tra- to trade the 23 rookie picks before or during the draft? Always love the content. Convoluted question, Jay Rich. I'll let you start off and I'll go. The, yeah, that's really tough. That really depends on your league. Um, I know we've had a lot of Heisen members and other people in in the Patreon community who said like a lot of their league mentions are like, well, you know, I want to just see what happens at the draft or I want to get a little closer to the draft before I make a decision. And you're like, just make up your mind. It's like the reality is because they don't know anything about the players that are being drafted. Right. So it's difficult at times. You know, I don't want to be on a high horse here, but we are people who are very informed. We are looking at multiple mock drafts a week. We are discussing these prospects at length. And so whether you can call it groupthink if you want, but we have a pretty good idea about how we feel about these prospects and how they're ultimately going to be valued by the NFL. And when you are trying to make these deals, it's because you're trying to get an advantage over your league mates. And I think that's the biggest problem is you have to look at two factors is how does your league react to the draft? Because there can be a lot of edges there as well. But most importantly, is that how well did they understand how the draft's going to go versus how well you understand it? In my opinion, I actually like to wait because whether because for me, right, and for you as well, you probably feel the same way, we have a pretty good roadmap for the draft. We may not know exactly where the players will slot in, but we can kind of say, well, RB3 in a good landing spot in the second round will probably land right around 110, 111, right? right? right. And have a really good idea of what player you're going to get at the pick. You may love a prospect, but ultimately you want to buy a pick for the archetype of player that you could draft in that slot. You don't want to be saying, well, I'm taking this pick and I'm drafting Zach Charbonnet. Because if he gets drafted in the fifth round, you probably shouldn't take Zach Charbonnet at the back of the first. So I think you have to be very diligent in how you approach it. I like to wait personally, but Adam, how do you feel about trading picks before the draft? I I think, you know, you kind of already touched on the reality of it for me. I love to have, I'll just tell you this, I, I over leveraged a lot of times in this 23 class and depending on what I have, I'm, I'm trying different strategies. But the reality is if I, if I am in a league that people are itching for the, the picks right now, I, I'm all about leveraging them for the right trade right now. But I think this is so league dependent because like I've seen playing in a lot of different leagues too. And I, when I may, when I say different leagues, a lot of different things, different settings, best ball lineup, uh, different league mates, right? I'm in leagues with 
there are leagues I'm in where I'm in with everybody in the league is like Jay Rich. They're like Mike. They're, the whole league is not just tapped in. They're overly tapped in. Like these guys live, eat, breathe dynasty. So it's like you're not going to get some criminal steal off these guys outside of a very rare scenario. So like in that league, would I be looking to move it? Sure. But I'm I'm constantly flooded with my inbox trash. It's just like spam, honestly. You know, it's like I got to just filter through all this to try to even get a deal that's real. Sometimes you're in a home league and it's like they're scared. But they, they don't know. Yeah. See, you have to understand in a home league or people that aren't as tapped in, this isn't anything against them, right? Because I think those people have a very good chance to be great dynasty managers. But the reality is they don't know as much about – this player they don't know as much about his career they haven't tracked him as long they don't know what his draft capital is going to look like so they're not really willing to invest in a random draft spot because they don't understand any of that other stuff now when you give them the context of the draft all of a sudden maybe they jump into a different you know they're excited as hell oh my gosh Mm -hmm. 107 will levis went to indianapolis i can get him at 107 i want your 107 what do i got to pay but you would never get that before so i think to give you the truth, Marlon, it, I know this isn't answering the question. You're probably thinking I'm I'm dancing around it. But I, if I'm being honest, it's it's league dependent. So, a hundred percent. The best 100%. time is based on your league. When would I prefer to do it? Probably right now. But it's based on your league. If I'm going to answer the question in its reality. Yeah, like I th- I think it's funny because you're totally right, Adam. You want to make those trades before, but it's very difficult. And I think, you know, I can't blame someone for not being a de- degenerate and just right. researching the hell out of the draft and knowing about every prospect. Like there's a lot of great analysts who don't look at a damn thing before the draft because so much changes. Like, oh, 100%. yeah, I'm so high on Sean Tucker in February. It's like, but in April, no one cares because he's not going to pass a medical exam. So it's like, think about it this way, Jay Rich. Think about for a second funny. the DGENs, right? The DGENs have a very, very, very strong knowledge of the name of DJ Uyunglele, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they understand, they, they remember the days when he was talking QB about as the 101 in the class, right? QB this guy one. is not, he's not even in the class anymore. He's not a part of the class. He's not likely to be a first-round quarterback, period. So, like, understand that the people you're trading with, they're not, they don't even – DJ U, they, don't, they, they probably don't even know who you're talking about. Yeah, right? they don't know his That's, name. They don't know what school he's at. Half the chat probably doesn't even know what school DJU is playing for right now. But that's the thing. Like, and, and half the chat – I mean, all the chat in here at least is tapped in enough to be like, yo, I really care about Dynasty. I want to tap in while there's NBA playoffs and all these other things going on. We don't play football until September, right? There are – my point is the league you play in can be so wildly different as far as the managers. And I think yeah. when you talk about that question, the trading, the trading is always relative to who you're trading with. And that comes down to nine or 11 or 13 other players that you play with. So that's why I have to answer the question that way. It's based on them. Yeah. And you're making a hundred percent, a lot of good points here. And I think that's the hardest part. Um, but to answer T-Rock's question, cause he's asking about Sean Tucker now when I was talking about him, uh, yeah. So, yeah, he was not cleared to participate in Syracuse's Pro Day. That's why he did, oh, like, his at-home yeah, yeah. yep. right. video Pro Day thing. Like, And there's people who are do fear he won't pass a medical exam at the draft and potentially may not even get drafted. If he does, he'll be, like, a sixth or seventh rounder because he's just not going to pass. And and I don't, we don't even know exactly what's wrong with him. We assume, you know, Ray said, you know, the NFL probably knows. 
um, but he didn't pass Syracuse's medical medical exam to participate in the pro day. And so that's like the actual news. And then we'll see what ultimately falls out because of that. But no one's expecting him to be a very high draft pick now um, because he's just probably not going to pass a medical exam. And it's kind of honestly like John Ross. You know, John Ross was a player we loved and then he had his back issue and then people thought he'd never play football again. He comes back and, you know, he couldn't really pass the medical exam. So he didn't get drafted. And it's just it's unfortunate. But you know, I think it's a similar situation. And until we kind of get all the facts, it's difficult to invest in an asset like that. Um, but that's his specific case, uh, T-Rock, if you were, were did want to know about that. It was he didn't pass his Syracuse medical and they didn't clear him for the pro day. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not laughing about what you said, by the way. I'm, I'm laughing because I just read the Super Chat again. And um, it's been up here for so long. And uh, Jay is saying, Jay Richard feels special. Not even Ray got this type of treatment. And he just put a Super Chat just to say that. So, uh I'm not going to touch go. on that other than uh, there it is, man. You see, I didn't even have to say anything. I got you. <laughs> my, my guy gets me, man. See, Jay Rich and I, we might not do content for months together, and it's just boom. Here we go, man. We're on the easy same peasy. wavelength. Easy peasy, man. All right. Super chat from Fizzle. Uh, Fizzle, man, is, uh, if you don't know, the one that put the sweet intro we have together. Um, he super chatted in us, too, which is awesome. Super chat because I'm late uh, on the night. My boy Jay Rich is here. I had a long day, but always salute my boy Rich. He's the reason I'm even making intros. Okay, so there you go. Um, Appreciate you, Fizzle. One for you, too. Yes, sir. Super chats are, are popping, man. So uh, appreciate everyone with the super chat. Uh, appreciate everyone being here, even if you aren't super chatting. But Cody, um, plus all these super chats, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what to do with myself, to tell you the truth. I, $199 super chat is still foreign to me. Um, Wild. Wild. So, and all I got is Bruning talking about Bo Bichette, but he did homer for me today, so I'm not mad about that. Hey, he's you know he's 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 supporting his himself from Jay Rich, man. He's always he is always on wake up. Like I don't always get to get there because I'm working and doing stuff, but when I tap in, it's amazing that Matt is literally like I see him in the chat comments every time. Wild to me. Matt Bruning is he's up there with Lindsey Mack as the the number one wake up fan. Right, dude. What Dude was there when we were doing it on the alternate feed. All I think we're at 200 and people don't even know this. We've done 200 and like 65 wake up shows. And I'm pretty sure Matt Bruning has been to every single one. Matt Bruning is an OG and I love Matt Bruning. Love him. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Matt Bruning is my guy. Love Matt Bruning. Had him on 4D uh, last week. And um, it, I just, you know, this is really just... I. What I I used to love tuning in to wake up every single morning and just my plate's really busy right now, so I always watch it. It just may not always be immediately, or I might pop in late comments, live. I'm always, always putting comments, whether it's live or later. But it's amazing to me every time I'm there. It's like I I, I can see Bruning's comments like within three to five. It's like this dude yeah. does not miss a morning wake up show. It does not him, miss. Man. Good for him, man. Uh, always a class. So love to see it. All right, let's get into some other questions. We got a whole bunch here. I'm out here scrolling, just uh, trying to look for funny things to talk about. Let's get into some questions. Chad Young, 12-team Superflex PPR. Both teams are competing. All right. Diggs, a 24 mid-first for 101 and a late 24 second and another 24 second. Uh, same team as mid-first on the Diggs side. Which side do you want? Okay, so, so the way I'm – this is Diggs and a 24 mid-first, and then the other side's going to get 101 – a late 24 second and then the 24 second, which is coming from the team that will be receiving digs and a mid first on this side if it went through. So two seconds, 101, both both 24 seconds. 
or a Diggs and a mid first. So Jay Rich, your thoughts here? Because I this one man's tough. Um, one one thing I don't see, Chad, if you don't mind, if you're still with us, because in a trade that's this kind of tight and looking at assets that are this close, I do always like to know, like, are we starting nine lineup? Are we starting twelve lineup? Is this a best ball league? Are we starting twelve in a best ball? Like. Those things can tinker which way I'm leaning. But, Jay Rich, just as a whole, what do you think here? This is really tough. This is a really good trade. It is. Honestly, like, if I love Diggs and I still want Diggs on my rosters, you know, he's one of the highest warp players. Um, Feels like almost every year. You know, past two seasons with Allen, he's been just absolutely dynamite. Even last season, which felt like a down year for Diggs, he was still really, really good. I want Bijan. Chad's saying start 10 lineup. I mean, the lineup doesn't change things a ton for me because Diggs is always starting in the wide receiver spot and Bijan's always starting running back. So it doesn't, it, it, your construction matters a little bit here. I think I want Bijan though. I, I think getting the late seconds back, even though they're late, like if I could trade Diggs in a first for the 101, especially a 24 first, I would probably do it. The issue for me isn't so much that I'm getting Bijan. It's like, well, how long is Bijan really going to be on my roster? Because I don't really want him on my roster for more than a couple of years. So I kind of have to figure that part out. But I would probably take the 101 there and take Bijan Robinson. Interesting. And also, uh, Chad is putting what we need in here. So he's already received the 101. Chad, I'll tell you this. I'm not going to change my analysis based on what you got. I'm never going to do that for anybody. I'm going to tell you straight up how it is. Um, I'll say this. Knowing the start 10 lineup for me, so so what makes this one so tough, and Jay Rich kind of already talked about how, man, this is tough and it's a tight trade. If it's a trade where I'm kind of hemming and hawing at all and not picking a side, that's how you know you're probably hitting, at least value-wise, a really good constructed trade. Because for me, I'm talking about value and just grading the trade all the time. What I will say about this one, start 10 lineup, right? So on paper, in theory, right now, Diggs is trending the wrong way, and it's not because of anything other than all the youth movement right now, right? We don't play yeah, football Diggs. until September. When What you know right now in April as rookie hype season comes, and to 24 classes, everyone's talking about the 24 class way too much still. When football's getting ready to be played, Diggs will take another leap forward. Whatever, keep trade cut. Just I promise you this, and if you don't believe me, bookmark it today. Screenshot what it is and look right before the season starts. Whatever he's at, you can move him three to five spots north, guaranteed in wide receiver value on what Keep Trade Cut says. I promise you, this is dynasty clock. This is not even me. This is just people. Promise. That's a fact. He he is falling. You're right. And like, you know, kind of throughout the season, he went, he was high, and then he kind of fell a little bit, and he's been falling ever since. And so his value, like you mentioned, is kind of it's it's on the decline because no one wants old players. You want the J JSN is ahead of him right now, which is again, I get it. It's it's age. He's like it's what, all... twenty nine, gonna be thirty years old this season. He's as old as Tyreek Hill, but it's I think the problem for me, Adam, with this trade is it feels like a lateral move. I don't know if it helps your roster construction. Now it might. Um, I'm not sure, but I again it just it feels like a lateral move for me, and that's really where I struggle with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty good trade from a value perspective, but I don't know how it changes your roster necessarily. Yeah, right. So, so like, and, and my thing ultimately because you're you're right too. Like, but but the problem is with digs, and and what makes it tough for me. I'm not saying necessarily that one smash or the other. What's tough is digs. I know is guaranteed to get a resurgence in value. So if I'm comp- you already said, you told me earlier, both teams are competing. So when I trade Diggs away right now, I already know that I am trading away at a superficial loss. 
That's the way I'm trying to phrase this. Okay? Okay. So understand that point. Like, you are trading him today. Whatever you're getting for him back, understand that if you're competing, when you go to September, you've traded him at a dip. Small one, but a dip. It's just plain and simple. Now, the 24 mid first is what's going to make this one. I promise you this is what's going to make this trade one way or the other. Because here's the way this is going to go. Right now, like in a vacuum today, even with all I just said, I want the one-on-one because I'm getting those seconds. And I can probably find a way to package those seconds to get something that I want if I'm competing and make it worth my while. Maybe I even get spot running back buys with these seconds. So I think that's why I will still lean the one-on-one. But I'll tell you what's interesting about that being a mid-first and not knowing context, just knowing that. Lineup start 10 leagues, man. 24 mid-first already is a good player. But if this team like it, right? Right. But if this team, so many things right now that we talk about, right? JSN is valued really highly. Here's what I can tell you: some of these guys that are valued really high and keep trade cut, and people will build their team around them. They're not going to be PPR or points per game difference makers. They're not. So some of these teams are going to have injuries. All this other stuff happen. That mid first becomes 103. You are going to hate this trade. That's yeah. what I will tell you. The risk is not that you didn't get the right move today. The risk is if the, if you're sitting on this 103, 102, 104 and traded that away, you probably are going to hate the trade because if that's Marvin Harrison Jr. and that's Stephon Diggs, you're going to hate it. That Long-winded way of saying that, but I wanted to walk through the points and help you understand why I'm looking at this and so torn at it. I want your side today, but the risk I'm feeling is real. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that 24 first all but I think Adam we have to realize too that's like a worst case scenario and it could be, you know, a much worse player and that's Sure. If it's a 109 a, all of a sudden if that team ends up being like a playoff team, you're talking totally different. You love your side. Yeah. And and the reality is I think what what really sways it is Bijan is going to be valuable. Sure. He's going to be valuable no matter what. Digs to go up in value. That 24 first will go up in value, of course, because eventually the, the sex will start to go moving towards that class. Oh, on to yes. 24. Yes. 23 class, see you later. Give me Marvin Harrison Jr. Give me Rocket Sanders. Give me Caleb Williams. Give me Drake May. Right? All these guys. Speak Just, it, Jay Rich. Speak it. They, that's, the people, that's what people want. They it's want true. They want the 24. And especially from the quarterbacks, my goodness. My goodness. They are going to be so good. At least I expect them to be good. But like you talked about, you can want this young receiver, Drake London, wide receiver 12. Adam, how many points a game did he score last season? Who was this? Drake London? Drake London. I'll tell you, uh, go check out some of the short form content we do here, man. I just talked about it. He was not in the top 25. He was basically around like 40, I think, um, points per game wise. Yeah, 43, 10 and a half points Ooh, per game. And this you is like the that? that was about spot on, too. Yeah, I'll give it to you, man. Big, big one for you. That was spot on. 117 targets, 72 receptions, 866 yards, four touchdowns. Decent numbers. Great for a rookie season. We expect more. But, again, he didn't do a ton, but he's still wide receiver 12. Well, that's I think you, you got to take Bijan Robinson because he's he's just the dude. And it, it he's Saquon Barkley when he came out. He's 101. He's everything you want. And it's just yep. the value for that is going to be crazy. But the problem is, Adam, and the qu- question I have for you is where is that sell window for Bijan Robinson? Where do you think that inflection point's going to be? Because we expect him to have a good rookie season, That's and good. what could That's that potentially point. look like for you? Because we've seen it with JT, we've seen it with Saquon, we've seen it with even Brees Hall to some degree. 
Um, he hit a huge value saying then he tears ACL. Now all of a sudden he's still retaining value, but he's never going to hit that high, high, high. <clears throat> when would you sell B. John Robinson? It's interesting because I was reading comments, uh, you know, when I'm running this, as, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm trying to, you know, bookmark comments. So I was like, all right, let me pull this up because it actually fits the question and what we're talking yeah. about here. 101, man. And, and let me just say this. I, I have been in a, a running back guy for a long time. And I had to swallow a pill that was not fun to swallow this year. And it took me a while, week in and week out. I'm like looking at this pill. And I'm like, no, nah, I ain't taking that. Every week I don't want to swallow this tough pill. And eventually I had to realize this is what people value. I, forget what you think for a second. And remember, ultimately, other than production, dynasty values are built on what people think, right? And if everybody thinks this, even if I don't, it doesn't matter. So – you kind of got to get hip to the fact that running backs are devalued. And the way that the free agent market is, Kareem Hunt may not get a deal. I mean, they're they're telling you in the NFL, they're telling you in Dynasty, they're telling you everywhere we don't care about running backs anymore. So what's so hard about Bijan is I've loved this guy. So many people have loved this guy for a long time. But in a market that we know factually is the lowest that running backs ever been valued, we are saying this guy is only – behind six quarterbacks on keep trade cut and super flex because you got to add the two two receivers in and chase and jefferson yep. right so you're going to take this spots. guy you're going to take this guy ahead of every quarterback other than set than quarterback seven right so when you think about that right it's just i love his talent i love everything about him but do you think that he is going to smash and make that window worth it for probably two to three years before, you know, Jonathan Taylor, we're talking about, we don't even want to think about trading two first for him. So the reason I bring all that up, you made a great point about Brees. And what's interesting about him is this. So like Brees was smashing last year. Everybody wanted Brees Hall. And then he tore his ACL, unfortunately. Keep trade cut tells you his value retention is really high, right? But what you're going to struggle to do, right? All season, this is what was crazy to me. All season, his keep trade cut value and what people say is really high. But I'll tell you what, what was a struggle, and it never happened for me, and I never saw it happen, too, on other ends. If you're a contending team and you have Brees Hall, I never saw him get traded away for what was RB2 prices, period. Yeah. Right? And, like, it's this – the running back position is so devalued, I think, that we care about Brees Hall. We care about Bijan. So even if he doesn't smash or gets hurt, like, there might be some value retention. But I think it might be a little fraudulent. And here's what I will say about this overall. If you're in a rebuild – you want to move him. And for you, like, when do I want to sell him? Truthfully, I want to sell him today. But I think the problem is, and I will tell you, I'll give you guys a little layup. Uh, check it out here soon. Scott and I are going to be doing a full breakdown of this. Um, a little okay. short mini series. Because I think what's happening is this, man. At 101, right? What you're going to see a lot of times is, unless it was like the person talking earlier, unless that's not your team that has the 101, and you're like, I have the 101 and I can afford uh, Bijan. In that scenario, just go ahead and do it. You're basically going to sink your teeth into yeah. it, but you're only really giving up one pick still, right? Like, you're not actually consolidating three picks or anything crazy. Even if I'm contending, man, if I can get out of Bijan for three first liquid or if I can get out for that value, man, I'm going to – What is that value, though? <laughs> I offer got... you 107, 109, and 111. What are you saying? Best ball I'll take, I'll smash it to the – I'll smash the piss out of that. Okay, lineup league though, not in best ball. Lineup, yeah, lineup you league, want the you yeah. want the lineup the leagues. Lineup league, I think it's tougher. Um, I'd probably say I'd probably try to counter back. Like, will you give me one hundred seven, 
109 to 24 first, and I'll just take that. Um, bet against your team with consolidation. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I think what's tough is this. I want to sell them today, but what I haven't seen and what I don't think really happens is somebody pays up for overall player nine price in keep trade cut. Like, I don't see that that often. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe that'll happen post-draft, and maybe he's, like, top ten pick and smash landing spot or something. But it's the reason it's tough is because, yeah, I want to trade him today. But to your point, like, I'm going to be lucky to get that offer. And even in lineup, I probably don't want to take it, right? So, like, you it's, don't it's, take it it's hard to get the real – it's hard to get the real value, what you actually think he's worth out of him. That's what makes it so hard. So yeah, it, worst one here. What what is the what is the dumpster fire rebuild? Like you know you can't have Bijan. What would you would you take that offer if you got it? Probably not. I think hmm. the the hard part with that with that trade right is if you are the worst of the worst, and Scott's, Scott's really the one that, for me at least, and maybe others were on this as well, but he's the one who really solidified this in my brain. He's like, there's 75% of teams are not ready for B. John Robinson. Correct. Correct. You don't have the pieces in place to compete. And if you don't have the pieces in place to compete to some degree, you don't want B. John Robinson on your roster because he's only going to go down in value. The whole RB position is in a sliding scale downward. Zeke, Leonard Fournette, all these guys, they don't even have jobs. Joe Mixon, probably going to be released. Adam, how many mugs do you have over there? If you don't mind me asking, because uh, a lot. I am seeing you drinking out of all these colored mugs. <laughs> Uno, <laughs> dos. Like, Yo, how many mugs this guy got over there? Trace, man. Listen, when you okay, when okay. you when you drink, uh, when you're drinking like I drink, man, you got to hydrate too. You know, it's a uh, it, it, one in one out type deal. You know, it's like at a club, one in one out. All right, sorry to sorry to just it's all good, baby. It's all good. Because I saw the purple one, I was like, I don't think I've seen that color yet. <laughs> <laughs> It's I funny because I'm glad you caught that because I, I feel like I'm I'm doing that and I most people don't catch it but Jay Rich caught me all right I like it's that. just you know I'm just like purple holy I seen the teal I seen the black I'm like where did the purple come from are they just combining them into one color Jesus oh it's fantastic but um so the problem is is for those trades right you have to think about again and in some ways part of me would want to just trade for future draft capital. Because I know what I'm getting in this draft. And if it's not above 107, I don't really want it. If all you're offering me is a bunch of back-end firsts, I just don't think I want those types of moves. Because I don't, like, okay, I'm getting Bijan Robinson, but okay, now you're giving me Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston, and like some other guy. That doesn't that doesn't move the needle for me in a lineup league. Like, I don't know if those guys are going to be any good. One of them may hit, one of them may bust, and all of a sudden, I traded Bijan Robinson away, and all I got was one receiver who maybe is a top 20 receiver if I'm really lucky and Bijan Robinson is running away with RB1. So right, it's right. It's it's difficult and it's what makes it funnier is if I see bad teams with Bijan Robinson or like have the 101, I'm like go ahead, take them. Like I don't care because I know that team has no shot. They have no shot if all they do is keep Bijan Robinson and try and continue to build, right? So it's it's tough and I think that's where, you know, if you if you're trading for any pick below 107, I'm not making that move. I think you have to get at least a top six, and I prefer a top five pick, plus ideally another one, and of 24 first, like you said. I don't I don't think I'd be trading Bijan Robinson for anything behind a 108. Maybe someone's offering you 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Like, I don't really know if even that, if you offered me five picks, like 8 through 11, I don't even know if I would take that trade because I know all the players that I'm going to get and they just don't add up to B. John Robinson. 
Okay, interesting because uh, let, let me ask you this now. Okay, so if you don't take that trade on paper, right? Let, let, let's say someone does offer you 107, let's call it 111 and 112 just to really kind of kick the teeth on it, right? And you're like, nah. Yeah, really kick me in the nuts there. Yeah, right. like, nah. It is three first, but like I feel like it's not three first, and that's why you say no. Okay, so I guess now now my next question on this, because I think this is a really good, really good conversation. If you say no, we get into the season. What are the odds that you get a better offer in season for Bijan Robinson? And are you willing to kind of play that on a dumpster fire rebuild team? I think I would be willing to roll the dice because I don't think Bijan's price is going anywhere. But I think the bigger point, and you kind of hit on this as well, is you have to trade Bijan at quarterback prices. We don't right. trade... Like you can trade Justin Jefferson for a wide receiver price, but you need to trade him at a quarterback's price. And the way you trade at a quarterback's price, you have to get a quarterback back. If you are trading Bijan Robinson, you have to get a quarterback back because that is the only way you will ever achieve that level of value that you're expected to get from that said player. And the quarterbacks are the only ones who have that value that high. So if you're trading Bijan, that's when I say you have to get you know a top five pick, potentially even one or two top five picks. Because then at least you are putting yourself in a position to have another highly valued asset like a quarterback. And so, again, you want to be in the upper threshold there. But I think that's the best way to approach it. You don't treat him like he's a running back. Think of it. Think of yourself like Jimmy Graham when he tried to get paid as a wide receiver when he was a tight end. You got to trade in a different market, right? You got to try and maneuver your way into this new market where you're trading Bijan Robinson like a quarterback. And then people will be like, oh, damn, like this guy's serious. Like he wants he wants quarterback prices for Bijan because where is he? He's above Lamar Jackson, above Justin Fields, above C.D. Lamb, above A.J. Brown, above Garrett Wilson, above Brees Hall, above Joe. These are guys that trade for multiple firsts. You got to trade him like a quarterback if you trade him at all. And I think that's kind of the best way to approach it and the way to make it make the most sense, right? If you're trading for a top-end quarterback like Lamar Jackson, you got to come strong. You got to come with 102. You got to come with 106. You got to come with, you know, 24 second. If you don't do that for B. John Robinson, I just don't want it. I just don't yeah. want it. And see, I think um, I will say this. What's interesting about it, and, and you brought this up, right? If you're not getting a quarterback back, but here's the thing. If you got Bijan on a dumpster fire rebuild, now it's it's kind of like we're playing chicken, right? And, and the closer we get to you feel the value going down just by time. You don't even have to – it doesn't matter. You just feel time going away from you. Are you going to be the first one to get out of the way or somebody else? And I think what's interesting you is – You got to like, hold. You got to hold, right? You got you to have, have diamond hands. And I think the one scenario this could play out well is if – you wait until the year and you find a team that has somebody else's pick, which is going to end up being a top three pick, basically, right? You got to get that type of, because here's what's not going to probably happen outside of rare scenarios. And we'll see them on the trade show just because, you know, people want to, you know, shove it up my ass, basically. But they want to tell me that I, they, they got this deal done and I said he couldn't do. But most times you're not going to get this quarterback that is like no one's going to send you a real quarterback like no one's going to probably send you Lamar in a first or something for yeah, Bijan yeah. Robinson like you're not going to see that but what you could see is a team that doesn't have the equity like it's not their bad team right so they have someone else's pick which is a lottery pick top three pick and they'll send you some other picks that's probably the one scenario I think that's most likely for you to get the value all the way back out but if you're in a league and you know, you don't see that coming or someone's hoarding picks and won't trade. 
you may have a different issue. And I guess he, here's my last question on this. Are there scenarios, Jay Rich, for you at all where you'll say, I will forego Bijan on this dumpster fire rebuild at 101. No one will trade me. No one will give me the offer I want. I'm not worried about, you know, a quarterback in this class. I'd rather have him than Bijan. Is there a scenario for you or no? Or are you just going to say Bijan and I'll find a way to trade him? If nobody will trade me the like the requisite price I'm looking for, then I would probably still take him in most cases. Um, again, I don't have a lot of one on ones because I usually trade all my picks away. But the reality for me is like I just I think he's going to be so good that I just wouldn't want to pass him up for what I don't view as a pretty sure thing at quarterback. Right? I think even if you know the interesting conundrum would be if Caleb Williams was in this class and Drake May was in this class, like. Who is the 101? Because everybody loves Caleb Williams, right? Everyone believes he's the 101 and he's, you know, the next big thing at quarterback. And is there a world where Bijan Robinson still eclipses him in, in Superflex? Probably not. And in this class, there just isn't that quarterback that we can say, like, we believe in them more than we believe in Bijan Robinson, mm-hmm. right? That just doesn't exist. So I still think I would take Bijan. He's the highest valued player in terms of the market that we see. He's a guy who's probably going to hold his value for a long time. I think the trick, Adam, and you kind of said it without saying it, is what you want to do is you want to maneuver your way into trading him to another bad team and say, yeah, you know, I mean, I can't really work out a deal, but how about you just give me your one, your 102 or your 103 and your 24 first and second? Let's, let's, let's work out something like that where, you know, it's not a ton. You know, you're only going to give me your first next year and second, but your team's ready to compete. You know, you got this young guy and that young guy, but in the back of your head, you're like, well, his roster construction is terrible. He's one injury away from being in the bottom of the basement and you could be working your way towards another highly valued asset next season, like a Caleb Williams, a Drake way, may a Marvin Harrison who will be very highly valued. And you don't have to worry about having Bijan Robinson on that roster while still getting, you know, a highly valued, valuable quarterback, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson at that 102, 103 range. Again, you're kind of still trading him for a quarterback price, but you're being very smart about it in a way that Bijan's not going to hurt you in this league because he's on another bad team who's mismanaging their roster. No, yeah, I I think that's, that's the play you're looking for, truthfully, in, in this build. Um, now, we've already talked about this uh, briefly. If someone's going to send you – this is part of the reason I actually do want 102 in the scenarios where I can't – my league mates aren't fish and I can't trade 102 into elite quarterback range, right? What I like about 102 is if I can't – let's assume that the crazy trade 102 and something light for elite quarterback exists. What's interesting about 102 is I get to watch what they do. If, they, if they're a bad team and can't afford it and they take either a running back or they – are they going to take Bijan or are they going to actually jump Bijan and let me have him at 102 yeah. for whatever their top quarterback is? And if not, now I have the top quarterback and I watch them have that tough decision. What's interesting though is if you could trade back, let's say, if you can go from Bijan to 102 and 105 and a 24 first or even 112 at that point, I'm in. Like those are because I can get a quarterback, I can get JSN, and I can get a liquid first. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, but the problem is you probably don't see that today. Um, so that's why Very I'm talking about to make it happen. Very difficult. That's why I'm talking about probably pushing it down the road in that scenario. Fizzle has a question. It's basically just for Jay Rich. Um, so Jay Rich, not sure if y'all talked about him yet. Uh, I know you did, and I'll tell you this much, Fizzle. On a wake up show, Jay Rich was on with three other people. And uh, he said, you know what? I'm going to go get my guy. So I'll talk about, let you talk about your guy. 
He's talking about Hennon Hooker here. Uh, give us the best landing spot and rookie draft spot for Hennon Hooker. Best landing spot is tough, but I'll tell you a really good one. We're going to talk about on Wake Up tomorrow because Mel Kuyper had him going at 30 overall to Seattle, who traded up into the first round to get him. And we've seen Seattle's landing spot for Hooker a couple times. You know, they pass on quarterback in the first round and they go and decide to get Hooker in the second round is usually the prognosis of how we get there. But in this case, Mel actually had them trading up to get Hooker in the first round, which again, of course, he'd be a first round quarterback at that point, you know, back end first, but still a first round quarterback. So you have to value him probably in the top 10 or so in a rookie draft. The problem with Hooker is that like, I really like him and I think he could be a good quarterback, but there's a lot of potential deficiencies in this game that he could not be. But I really like the Seattle spot. They have an improved offensive line. They have a great running game. They have great weapons around him. I think that would be a perfect spot for him, especially if it's in the second round. I've seen him go to New Orleans a couple times. I don't hate that spot. Um, I mean, I've seen him go to the Panthers. Obviously, that's not happening anymore. But I think that Seattle is the team that for a rookie quarterback if it's not Detroit, maybe one of the most set up rosters to have a quarterback succeed. And especially from a willing quarterback who's willing to help develop that young player in Geno Smith, right? Right. Geno's that's, that's a guy rare. who's been on the record saying, you know, I'm happy to help out develop a young quarterback if that's the case. He's getting paid very well this season. He's kind of been through the ups and downs of the NFL quarterback life. So I think, you know, whatever quarterback goes there, if that happens this year, if it is a hooker, I think it's a great landing spot. And so that for me is probably my favorite that I've seen. And, you know, I'm excited to talk about it tomorrow with Ray as well, because I think he, he'll like it as well. But um, just talking about the infrastructure around Seattle, like it's a team that we like Geno Smith, but if we got a better quarterback there, that offense could be really, really good. And we didn't expect anything from them last year. So it's pretty exciting to see that turnaround for them because they do have a lot of talent on offense. I think a good quarterback there would thrive. A hundred percent, man. I, I think, uh, on the points on Seattle and the points on Geno Smith, you know, and, and, and this is always tough. Um, Jordan Love, for example, right? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers was not going to be Mr. Willing to help uh, Jordan Love. He was at one point in his mind, Jordan Love, and didn't like the fact that and it almost severed the entire relationship, basically did with him in Green Bay, right? Um, so Geno pr uh, presents a good mentor for him. I think the other thing too is the weapons there are better than people might give him credit for. Um, so, so I'm with you. I think the thing with Hooker for me in that scenario, right? He's gonna when people trade into the first round. I think this is a point that needs to be made for Dynasty. If you trade into the first round, the reason they're doing that in the NFL is because they're worried about getting out of the first round, and then you now can't get the fifth year option, right? So they want to have the ability to, if this player that they believe in hits. They have that fifth-year yeah. option, which is another year on that rookie cheat code that is for the salary cap. Now, people may not care about that, but the reason that matters in Dynasty is that's an added piece that means they're that much more attached to that player. And trading up to 30, they're not just using 30. They're using whatever they traded up to go get 30 for him. Um, my only thing with with Hooker is, is, you know, he's so different than the rest of the guys in this class as far as, Whatever you think about Bryce, Will Levis, CJ, they're not a rich as a rusher, but they can all run. They can give you stuff on the ground. Henry Hooker is going to be strictly through the air. So for me with him, the thing is going to be I want him to be on a team that has pass-catching weapons that can yeah. actually allow him to be a successful passer. Otherwise, um, I think with him, his, his ceiling's capped because he doesn't run. But if he's given the right weapons, he can be a middling quarterback 
two, maybe high-end uh, quarterback two or low-end quarterback one, best-case scenario. So I'm still interested in him, like you said, in the back end of the first here because of, you know, I mean, there's not that many receivers that give me safety nets in this class. And and when you get past, again, what we talked about at the start of the show, 107, there's guys I like. I'll take all these guys. I'll have shares of all these guys. But I don't think there's a scenario with Addison, Quentin Johnson, anyone you get after them where if they don't play well, that they're secure as far as like this is a asset that won't lose value. Yeah, I think that's the problem is that, you know, in some cases I'm like, well, I'll just take the quarterback because until we get the draft and the capital and even after that, there may not be enough distinguishing these guys for me to where I'd be happy to take them at the top of that tier, right? And I think that's the biggest problem is that as much as, you know, I may like some of these prospects, I think I'll have some of them on my rosters. There's no difference to me until they get drafted and they get the capital because they all have holes in their profiles. And it's just, which one am I willing to accept? And it's like, well, you know, it kind of depends on how they may fit into the seam, where their opportunity is going to come from and how early and the draft capital, because like you mentioned, the draft capital is the confidence and the ability for the player to see opportunity on that team. The higher they get drafted, the better chance of them getting that opportunity. Garrett says, "Would you take Brees and your? Uh, would you take Brees for your QJ and Shipley? Got it in my inbox. I'm contending, so I could use Brees. Um, Jared, your, your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I would too. Okay, cool. Every time, I'm not betting on Ship. Like I like Shipley. He's a good running back. But again, we talked about where does he actually fall into this class, right? We have no idea because he's not at the top of the running back list. He's not even really that close. He's a very talented back, but we just don't know what he's going to do this season. He could get hurt this season. All these things could happen. And if you're just telling me all I have to trade away is a Shipley who may not be a top six asset in, in my rookie draft next season, and QJ, who's already a late first, and he was wide receiver one coming into the college season, right? I'm taking Brees because Brees is RB2. He's probably going to produce. He should be on a great offense. Yes, coming off the ACL is concerning, but... Brees is going to score you way more points than QJ, and you don't have to worry about the lottery ticket. That is Shipley. He could be great, but we're already talking about how we don't want to invest major capital in running backs. I think this is a great way to move off of running back and off of QJ into a more secure asset, and that will probably score you more points in Brees Hall. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the big difference in the this one and the trade that we talked about earlier, right? Because it was uh, I think the other one was 108 and a 24 first. So, so okay. to give you an idea, that was one that we had earlier. And, and the big reason this is so different and why I want Brees, that 24 first being random and generic, whatever you think about it, so many things can happen in the season, and that, that pick's not locked into Will Shipley. That pick yeah. is locked into probably a lot of other things than Will Shipley, right? So if, if what I'm really doing is saying, okay, I'm going to upgrade from Shipley to Brees Hall, like that to me cost a tremendous amount to do. Um, yeah. And – is Quentin Johnson a profile that maybe us as degenerates that are so tapped in and worried about all these things? Is he a prospect, his athleticism that could translate into dynasty and fantasy success? Sure. But am I willing to forego that for Brees Hall? Even if he doesn't start the year strong, even if he has some issues coming back from the ACL? 100%. 100%. I will, I'm willing to do that because there's no quarterback here, and Quentin Johnson's not a receiver that I believe is way above threshold level. So give me Breeze Hall here in a consolidation 100%. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I, I don't even know what you'd have to add. Like if you said, I want Brees Hall and my starting point is like something around Will Shipley, I'd be like, well, you better start again because like, yes. I don't know what Will okay. Shipley is in the NFL and I know what Brees Hall is. And so I think that's the biggest thing is, and Brees says this all the time, Debbie running backs are great, but if you can trade them before they ever get to the NFL, unless they're like B. John Robinson, you probably want to do that because they're probably get a pretty solid return. If you can move a Debbie running back who shows promise into an NFL asset, it'll probably work out for you more times than it won't. Yeah, I'm with you here. Um, all right, so we got a question from Costi. Um, I'll say this. We're at an hour and a half. We, we probably need to start you know, letting everybody know that we're going to try to wind the show down. I'll say this. I would be probably more willing to try to keep Jay Rich up, but he's got to wake up for wake up tomorrow. So I'm not going to, you know, make him stay. <laughs> I, I do have a all. show in nine hours. Yeah. So I'm not going to make him stay all night. Uh, if you want some questions answered, I'll get to as many as I can before we get out of here, but uh, we're going to try to wrap up. If you got a super chat, throw it. Otherwise, we will answer a few and get out of here. Costi has a two part question. Yo, boys, 12 team, super flex, two point tight end premium. We're starting 10. I have Ha, Kittle, Goddard, Wallard, and McBride. Talk about a tight end horde. I'm competing. I've been offered Devontae, Alec Pierce for Kittle, Dubs, and the 209. The league is stringing me on tight ends. Um, okay, so actually it, uh, he put it in here twice. The same the same question. So, Jay Rich, what are you thinking about this? Uh, he, he has a plethora, um, but the two ones that really matter right now for what we think about as far as tight ends in a start nine lineup league are Kittle and Hawk. So he's going to actually trade away one of those guys in Kittle. He's going to trade away Dubs in the 209. He's going to basically get back Devontae Adams. Um, is Kittle Dubs in the 209 for Devontae Adams worth it for you? It feels a little light um, from a value perspective. But for sure. again, I think I think that's me speaking more to the sentiment. I love the trade, personally. If you're telling me that I'm trading away Kittle and I already have a bunch of assets, um, Dubs, I don't, again, people may like Dubs. I don't really think he's going to be much of anything after this season. Uh, I just think he's going to kind of fade into the abyss because he had his little run and we'll see what happens, but I don't think he's going to get a ton of targets and you won't be super valuable, especially in a lineup league. So then you're getting Devontae Adams, you're getting Alec Pierce, who maybe something may not be something who really cares. But the issue is, Adam, and I, I think this is where I need your help with this a little bit, okay. is you have all these guys. Right. How many of them can you realistically start? And are you starting? Are you starting three? Are you starting four of them even? Um, like how badly do you need Adams? Because if you have all those guys, you're probably starting. Like I could see a world where you're starting all of them. If That's, you could, again, that if you could, you probably can. But if, if you're in a start 13, all those guys are probably hitting your lineup because chance of you having better receivers or better running backs is probably slim, but I like the trade. I just would be curious. Like, could you get more for Kittle? Is it because you obviously have a monopoly, so it's very difficult to make moves because no one wants to trade you anything of value for your tight ends? Um, but I do like moving Kittle because Kittle's a guy who's been tough to value, even though he had an awesome playoff run, an absolutely yes. nuclear playoff run. But I still think he's a guy who, depending on the game, can kind of be in or out. But again, that's just San Francisco with all the weapons they have on offense. For sure. I, I, here's what I'll say, man. Um, th there's a lot of pieces in this trade that, I'm going to walk through, try to do it as quickly as possible. So understand this, right? If you had this tight end horde and we're talking about a no tight end premium or even a 1.5, this, this is not optimal. Okay. And the reason I say that is because relative to the flex position, you can't actually start these guys. And basically once you get past Kittle and Hawk are two of the guys that 
we project still to be top five guys that matter, even in 1.5. But when you get to 2.0, right? So you got a two times multiplier at tight end premium. This is where it's massive because it is a start 10 league. There, there's two things about it to think about, Jay Rich, is what you're talking about, right? One is, all right, so start 10 typically, it depends what it looks like. If, if you're starting three receivers, there's going to be one flex that's not a super flex. If there yeah. is two receivers that you're starting, there's going to be two flexes. And then at that point, I think that that type of league matters a lot because it's also not even just that. That's the one point. You could start in a two uh, tight end premium, hot Kittle and Goddard, and actually still be warp worthy. But the biggest thing that I think some people miss and why I don't want to do this trade. Now, if this is a 1.5 tight end premium, I'll probably just do it. I'll see if I could drop you know, 209 or something just to get it more reasonable. But I would do this trade. When it's 2.0, what's different is it's not just the warp you can put in your lineup and that you can flex them. It's that in 2.0, somebody else now has to try to match up in the tight end room, Juwan Johnson. They got to find one of these deep dive guys because that that you're taking away points because what happens in 2.0 is the tight ends actually matter more relative to all other positions and they become flex worthy. So now your tight end that someone else is starting is worse. For me, I think it, because of the settings, starting 10, 2.0 premium, you need to actually lean into leverage and say, Costi, I don't need to move these guys because I could flex them if I wanted to. And you need them more than I do. As great as Devontae Adams is, you know, he's aging. I still think he's going to be great this year. But if he gets hurt, we saw what happened with Cooper Cup. A value cliff hits, right? The, the tight ends, you don't have to move in this format. So I think that's another thing where this trade is so big. Like understanding the league that you're in is why I think you should come on this show, talk to Jay and uh, Ray and, and DD, talk to Scott. League to league is so different. If this is a not tight end premium, this is not even a discussion. Like I, I smashed Devontae Adams. I don't even care. I'd add another third to this or something. But when it's 2.0, it's a totally different conversation. So Adam, then my question for you is, that's great. And okay, we have all these players now, but how do I determine who to start every week? Because there's going to be so many weeks, you're leaving points on your bench because you started Waller and Kittle and you should have started Hawk and Goddard. You started Goddard and Kittle, you should have started Hawk and Waller. Like, not that I view these guys differently from a, or like, not that they're so similar from a value perspective, but mm. in terms of what they could offer from a point scoring perspective, could actually be very similar. And so that's where I struggle with a trade like this because all those assets, and I understand why you have them, but when I have a roster like that, I usually try to find ways to unload them. And if I have too many and I have to kind of unload them for a little bit cheaper, in this instance, I'd probably be willing to do that. Because again, yes, you have the the added security of another flex spot, right. but like how many times are you really getting those guys in your roster? Or yeah. in your lineup and how many times and scott's talked about this a lot how many times are you making the wrong lineup decisions because of the way you constructed your roster and so i think that's the tough part for, for sure me. well i'll say this too um for me the way i i tier this pretty pretty big right um as far as the way remove the two point for a second for me i'm basically gonna be reliant on hawk and kittle as my guys and and the reason i I'm okay holding is because Kittle's a guy that we know. Forget the fact that he didn't play that well. He he has had a lot of injury history, right? So I basically yeah. am looking at I'm going to pick between these two guys every single week. Now, mm-hmm. in a 2.0 premium, I would be much more comfortable. You don't you're not going to get Devontae Adams back, but moving the Goddards, moving the Waller, moving the McBrides of the world 
for a okay. overpay, right? But I'm basically comfortable saying I'm going to start every week Hawk and Kittle because they're top five warp guys. And the fact that I have 2.0 tight end premium, one's in tight end, one's in flex. And if you want to get those guys, that's not the guys I'm moving for some package that's actually light in value. If you want those guys, you got to pay up. You want to get these other guys, we could talk. But those guys are staples in my lineup, those two. Interesting, because for me, I actually would be Hawking Goddard. Kittle would be Kittle's the guy for me at least. That you would want to move most? That I'd want to move because I think he's probably more valuable in the market than valuable on my roster at times. But the, uh, to your point, though, those three are the three where I'm like, okay, no matter what, those are the guys I'm putting in my roster. Most weeks for me, it probably would be Hawking Goddard because, again, I'm taking a very high PPR guy. Then, of course, I'm betting on that Eagles offense. Um, and what they are week to week versus the San Fran offense, which is good, but I still have to deal with Trey Lance versus Jalen Hurts, right? Sure. And then Waller, you're hoping is good, and McBride, we see a lot of promise in. So Caleb, for me, is kind of that middle point where if you already have two great tight ends, you can kind of wait on Waller and see what he becomes and then see what happens with McBride as well, who will have value because he's a tight end and on an offense that should throw a lot, and hopefully he's the second target in that offense. Now, now, if you wanted to make this trade, right, if you're saying I want to go ahead and leverage these guys and you want to go to Adams – my biggest thing is I'm not giving you any add-ons. Like I, the the whole 209 and dubs, you can forget about that. If you really want to do that and lean into Goddard, the big difference for me, Jay Rich, and I understand your point, is Kittle for me. Hawk and Kittle have such a spike. So if you think about two point per catch, in a spike like that can destroy you. You think about what Kittle can do and what Hawk can do in one week. Like Goddard is still a nice tight end and two point per catch, but he doesn't have that outrageous ceiling that these other two guys do. That's the big difference for me. Yeah, I agree with you because like target comp and all that stuff. But I, I mean, I'm not super familiar with Kittle's game log, so I'm pulling it up now. Right, like he had an eight reception game, a six reception game, another six. So he's he has definitely had some spike weeks for sure. And I think you know the touchdowns. I mean. He scored two touchdowns in three of the last four weeks of the season, which is just absurd. Right. Um, but Goddard but, for me is the guy that I think I've I personally view as the higher touchdown ceiling guy. But again, it's we'll see what happens because you know Kittle was great last year on the stretch with Purdy, and we fully expect Purdy to be back at some point this season, and he'll probably be good again when Purdy comes back. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like Goddard. Um, I I do. I have seen for Kittle though. And I'm with you, by the way. Like, I, I like Goddard. But my thing is with Kittle, in his touchdowns, and we know touchdowns, period, aren't sticky. But Kittle actually is one of the tight ends that if you get him in open space, especially on this offense, like, actually can make a crazy long touchdown play. And if we have two points per tight end premium, like, it, it's one of those guys that just, I really don't want to move. I'd be more willing for the injury risk than in a 1 or 1.5. It, it's tough here, man. Th- th- this market is very specific. So... From what I know about this market, and I play in some two-point tight end premium, when I hoard, you got to pay up for him. Uh, I, I'm comfortable throwing him into my lineup unless you're paying up. The problem with this one is Adams could actually help you win a league, right? But it's also risky mm. because who's throwing the football? We don't necessarily even care about that, but is, is he going to yeah. get hurt? We saw what cup happened there. It's like it's a riskier aging asset even though I love Devontae Adams on a contender. All right, let's get let's get two more questions, and then we got to get Jay Rich, uh, Jay Rich out of here. I'd go all night, and I know Jay Rich would too, but we got to wake up tomorrow. and uh, We do, we do. F- f- frankly, uh, we can't be up here all night. So two more questions, man. I'll pull up two questions, and we will get you out of here. All right, how are y'all ranking these three? Pickett, Jordan Love, and Will Levis. 
tough question. Man, that's a rough group. Um, they're all just hopes, right? Smack hopes and dreams here. Yeah. Okay, Adam. Here, let's let's start with this first. Would you rather have Jordan Love or Kenny Pickett? Because the different the reason I want to start with them is because they are on rosters, right? They are right. on teams. We know who they're playing with. We can't really say that about Levis right now. I kind of want to bet on the upside of Jordan Love over a Kenny Interesting. Pickett. Man, you know what? This is now two weeks in a row on AMA where I'm getting the Jordan Love feels from people that I wasn't expecting it. He, now, now it's not crazy to say, like it's Kenny Pickett. So let, let me just yeah. acknowledge I'm not. You're not saying anything crazy. So I'm not. I'm not spiting you or anything. But I'm just. I guess I have such a hard time with Jordan Love, man. Uh, personally, valuing him. But like I, I will admit, um, I think here's my thing with Jordan Love. Let me just say this: Jordan Love, right now, it's the uh, because we haven't seen him fail. We think he can succeed. I think that's the biggest thing with Jordan Love. My thing is, yeah. and I know Rodgers has been there. And but Rogers said I'll never play for this team again. They begged him to come back, begged him to come back. He's back. They gave him a huge extension, and now it's like, all right, this team wasn't that good last year. We're just kind of ready to get over Rogers now, and it's like by default because they haven't even picked up his fifth year option. Um, Jordan Love yeah. is going to get a start, and I think that's that's my thing is he looks really rough from the few stuff I've seen in camp. Now he he was okay when he played a couple times and small op- opportunities, but like I see a, and I know Pickett doesn't have the safest, uh, you know, it's not like if Pickett is bad this year that Pittsburgh's locked into him either, but I just feel like Jordan yeah. love right now. And, and let me tell you why I know what I'm saying is actually factual. Keep trade cut. Jordan love has moved up 13 spots, um, in the last month, basically couple months. Keep, yeah. yeah. And keep trade cut. Kenny Pickett's basically maintained his value. So to me, like Kenny Pickett does have something to lose, but Jordan Love, it feels like, man, if it d- there is upside because people are very wanting to bet on this. But if it misses, it's like, dude, this seems like a bad bet. That's my only thing with Love. So my question for you then is to follow this up is that we so I think the way I see it, I feel like your list would probably be Pickett, Levis, and then Love. But the reason why I bring this up and I why I asked you is because it's the problem with Pickett is it seems like you're just playing it too safe. Right. And Superflex, you know, you you want a good quarterback too, but Pickett just he doesn't really give you the big weeks. It just he doesn't. That's just the reality. And maybe that will change. And I think you know playing on that offense with some capable weapons could change that for him if he takes a step forward. But again, for me, like you said, it's kind of betting on the unknown. And I think you know with. Jordan Love's massive arm. Maybe if everything clicks, he could hit. And I think it's the same thing with Levis, right? If everything clicks, we don't know where he's playing. So that's a little bit unknown, but maybe there's a better than 50% shot. It's better than Green Bay. And so we'll say, we'll put Levis ahead of him. I think I would probably be Levis, Love, and then Pickett. But that's also because I don't like to have a Pickett, a Mac Jones, mm-hmm. a Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of a bad example, but just those middling right. QBs yes. that are going nowhere. Like, I, I, I don't know if there's a world where Mac Jones or Kenny Pickett can get up to QB 11. Maybe there is. I don't see it personally. But I think if Jordan Love did hit, if Will Levis did hit, there is a world where they're like top 10-ish. Maybe top 10 is a little high. Top 12 quarterbacks. Yeah, top 12 is um, reasonable. And I mean, Kenny Pickett, before the uh, rookies came into the um, the database, was flirting with that like 12, 13, 14 range and then 
yeah. Bryce, CJ, Richardson, Levis all pushed him down. Now to answer exactly. the, now to answer the question, right? Levis to me is the one that I will put at first because if I'm gonna bet on the unknown, I want the guy that just got drafted in the first round and does have a cannon and does have more of this youth factor built in. Like, so it, wait, if, are you talking about Jordan Love or are you talking about Will Levis? Well, I'm talking about uh, Will Levis, and the reason I say that is because with Jordan Love, right? If he hits, you'll be you. I will be wrong. I, by the way, th- this is one of the guys I'm willing to be wrong on, but I would rank it like this: Will Levis because of just the upside, knowing that I because I, th- I think all three of these guys don't have the safest of floors. If we're gonna keep it a hundred percent real. None of these guys are like, oh, man, if they play really bad this year, next year they'll be fine. <laughs> None of these guys really how pose you, that. How do you feel about Pickett? I, I honestly don't know. He would fall, but he's already QB, what, 19? Like, if he's QB 25, I might be in because at that point he's kind of a value. He's still only a two years in. Maybe he kind of stunk it up this year. I don't know. It's uh, the I think it's like thing- you said, he might just kind of coast along regardless of what happens a little bit. I think watching as much of the uh, the AFC North as I do, right? I- I'll tell you this: Pickett, I think, showed promise in moments, but overall, in a specific game, you saw a lot of ups and downs. But part of that is like, understand, this is a young quarterback that's coming into a new situation, a coach that's used to having a stable quarterback there, right? With an offensive line that is putrid, man. Th- this offensive line was oh, yeah, so bad. bad. I mean, it was horrible. You you can't even understand unless you watch full games of Pittsburgh how freaking bad this team was, man. So my point is, if the offensive line even takes a little bit of a step forward, gives him a little more time, he develops a little more, there are pass-catching weapons there, and it's a team that is coached well and typically is not really bad, if they're not threatening for a top-10 pick, I think he'll be fine. The problem is, if this team's yeah. bad under Tomlin and there's in a top-10 pick scenario, that's where I think the whispers start coming in for Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I think it's the case for him and Jordan Love, right? Like the oh, Packers, they are committed – to Jordan Love, right? Because they're getting Roger's salary gone. They're committing right. to Love. Love is our guy. If they have a top five pick, they're not going to hesitate to go trade up for a quarterback or draft a quarterback because at that point they can just get rid of Love and that's it. But right, but they they, let me they at the, least use that first round pick and they see what saw what he had after waiting for three years, right? And, and the, here's the thing though about Jordan Love, and this is where I think like teams will tell you a lot of stuff, but they ultimately tell you what they really mean by what they do. What, what what they say you can't believe in. Think about it this way for all these guys, right? If Pickett just even takes a little bit of a step forward, Pittsburgh is incentivized by the way that the salary cap does rookies to keep him for another three seasons. Will yep. Levis for another four. Jordan Love is already against – he is out of time for the rookie cheat code. That, I think, is one of the pieces that people don't think about in Dynasty with him. And whatever – even if he smashes, right, Green Bay is going to have to pay the guy immediately. That's like – that's where it is really weird for me as far as how he's going to be viewed in dynasty. Yeah. And I think the question would remain is like, let's assume he's not going full Jalen hurts. Cause that is, you know, next sure, level. Right. Like, if he has a pretty good season, I'd be curious what he would get on the open market. Because if you're Jordan love and you have one good season, are you really turning down? Like, let's say he gets $120 million fully guaranteed by the Packers over the course of like, four seasons i feel like he should probably take that deal right right and so is there a world where he plays well and they're like okay jordan love we're going to resign you on a team-friendly deal so we can build around you and still give you over a hundred million dollars maybe he does take that because again he's getting paid he doesn't have to go anywhere playing on a team that maybe he enjoys and had success with 
it's it's an interesting situation because we haven't seen it like at all. We've never no. seen this happen. So if he performs well, I'd be curious what his contract could look like it um, probably, if they did want to extend him. I, I think you're right. I think it, I, I would point to like uh, Daniel Jones, who really had one good season, although he played the whole mm -hmm. time and Jordan Love didn't. Like, you know, uh, uh, an above average quarterback contract that doesn't break the bank. I think like what Daniel Jones got was like right around 100 million. I think it was four years, 150 or 60 million. Something like that they yeah. might do. But that's also saying like, that's it. That, that's high end. That's high end. If he like hits all these things, Green Bay is also incentivized. Where if like it doesn't work out for a year, all right, man. Like <laughs> we'll see you, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Deuces. So that's that's my problem, yeah. and what that's why I'm gonna have Levis Pickett Love to answer the question. Uh, Jay Richman, I, I, we'll do one more just to get you out of here. Um, all right. All right. So let's find the last question here, man, because I know we got to get Jay Rich out of here, get him tucked in, get him ready for wake up. Uh, let's see. I, got, I, want, I want to find a good one, man. I don't want to just end on some shitty question. Oh, good. What, the people have been putting in good questions? No, they have been, but I, you know, I'm picking and choosing, man. I'm picking and choosing. Uh, I feel you. Let's see. Let me give you one, one last question. I'm having a hard time finding one, man, but here, I'll give you... We'll, we'll go to the fantasy draft. Oh, hold on. Cody just gave us a super chat. Uh... All right, Cody's just doing an, another $1.99 super chat just to flex. So he's over $200 now. Just flexing. With QBs who succeed being eligible for and obtaining their contract extensions well before their contract is up, what is the value of trading back into the first to secure the fifth-year quarterback option? We kind of already touched on this a little bit, but, yeah, we can talk about it again real quick. I honestly think there is almost zero incentive to do that. Okay. Because if you know your quarterback is worth $200 million – you know that before their fifth year option comes up. And in a lot of cases, these teams are ripping up that fifth year option and giving them the money a year earlier because, again, you have your franchise quarterback and you want your quarterback to be happy. And so, you know, I think there is a world where, like, it's it makes sense from a money perspective, but we're not really seeing it play out the way it was intended um, for some of these teams. Like, if you have a, if you have Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, you almost want to be like, don't worry about the fifth year option. We'll give you the 40 million in that season, right? And so I think that's an interesting point. And, and Scott's brought that up to the group as well. He's like, if you have your franchise quarterback, you know that before the fifth year option comes up. And so at that point, what are you really trading back into the first four? Yeah. You either think, get them in the second round or you don't. Yeah. So so I think I, I agree to a extent there because the reality is right. The fifth year option is basically meant to buy more time for you to evaluate. Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is if you have a star, right? If you trade in and this is why the Baltimore thing is so wild because to bring this full circle, right? They traded into the last spot to get Lamar and they know they didn't need time to see. They know they got a good quarterback and what are they doing? They're trying to play like this value game where it's like, we're going to abuse the contract all the way to the end and then we don't want to give you what you're worth. And that's what's weird. I think what is still worth doing it is even if you give them the big extension and you're like, you are worth it, you can utilize against the cap the fifth-year extension and push the money out where it's not killing your salary cap and you have an extra year of trying to win on a quarterback cheat code. But the reality is you know where you don't know. Like Most people that do the fifth-year option and pay them $20 million, they're not like, we're not sure if we want this guy or not. 
Yeah. They know. They know this is our quarterback or it's not our quarterback. It's just we want to exercise the fifth-year option and give him an extension so that we can have money against the books that makes sense for our team so we can stack them with better players. But most people aren't saying we're going to exercise the, exercise the fifth-year option to just find out, which is what's so interesting for Green Bay. They'll have to do that with Jordan Love in May. Yeah. Just to find They're out. They're going to have to. But just to find out. Most teams don't have to do that, which is to your point, which is where it's not a big advantage. So, uh, yeah, it's very few cases, right? Like most teams, you draft a quarterback high and they start early. So you have to time to really see what they could be. And if you trade into the first, like again, if you're taking a hand and hooker and you want him to kind of sit for the first year, okay. But like even Trey Lance, is he getting his fifth year option picked up? We don't know. Crazy. Right? We but don't after know. this we season, Sam Fran's going to have to figure it out. Maybe they'll trade him away and someone else can make that, make that call, right? Correct. Yeah. But this guy was drafted third overall, and we don't know if he's going to get his fifth year option picked up because he hasn't played. 100%, man. Uh, good points, man. Great points. Uh, Jay Rich, appreciate you being on as always, man. Um, Jay Rich is one of the best people to kick it with in the space. Uh, really glad you ha- were on here, man. We, we saw an insane, a flurry of super chats. Um, so I'm going to make sure I have to kick some of this back to Jay Rich. It's just the way it is. Uh, whether you'll take it or not, whether you'll take it or not, it's going to be coming his way. All the way across uh, across the, the border in Canada. But uh, appreciate you hopping on, man. Um, good as always. Thank you, bro. Everybody, uh, we will be back not on Tuesday. We'll be back actually on Sunday for the AMA. Uh, appreciate all the super chats. Appreciate all the love. Uh, hope you guys are excited because next week is the last week before you get ready for the big DD draft stream, which last year we had 500 people in, and I bet you we're going to break that this year. Oh, it'd be crazy. It's going to be it's awesome, crazy. man. I'm super excited for it. So, uh, everybody, thank you, J Rich, for coming in. Make sure you're tapping in to wake up. Like I will be tomorrow, and he will be up doing it. So, Jay, y'all really appreciate better you, all be here. I'm Let's here go, now. Man. Y'all better all be there in the morning with me at eight o'clock. Yeah, man, don't play Jay Rich. He was here with us. Wake up with him. Uh, so we'll see you back here next week on Sunday for AMA. We're out of this thing. Peace.